So today we have Robin and Nikki on the podcast. They own 901 Kettlebell Club. Thank you all for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. So how did you guys, how did you guys meet? It's a cute story, actually, because it was February of 2020. Is that the date, honey? Honey. Oh, man. <laughs> it was February 2020. And I was going to Apex Wellness because the owner, Ryan, was hosting like that that shoulder and lower. He, he was Okay. So 901 PT was coming in to do a workshop specifically either about lower back pain or shoulder. Low back pain. And Ryan and Ryan invited me like, hey, come on, come take just sit with us and do this workshop, even though I wasn't an employee of Apex. And I wore my strong first instructor shirt, which I'm wearing today. And all of a sudden, this loud, blonde girl (laughs) from New Jersey is like, are you strong first certified? And not that that's your voice at all. Because now you know what you sound like to people, I guess, right? I've been told, trying to be told so many times. I can't. I say, well, I'm from New York originally. And so to have someone from New Jersey in Memphis, I'm like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. where'd you come from? And then she, no, no lie, the second she saw that I was Strong First Certified, she said, oh, I'm Strong First Certified, too. The first thought that went through my head was, fuck, competition. You thought you were the only one in town? Yes. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally competition. And then, you know, I was assessing her out, and then I learned that she was from New Jersey. I was like, oh, I'm from New York originally. So that already was a bond, that East Coast bond. And then I learned something a long time ago where if you meet someone, especially in your industry, if you meet someone that you're threatened by, ask them to coffee. Ask them to coffee, pick their brain, try to feed the jealous monster in a more productive way. So I told her, I was like, hey, girl, do you want to get coffee together? I want to talk to you about something. That was our first date. That was our first date. Yeah. At a, eclectic? No. Otherlands. No, you're lying. It, it was, was eclectic. No, 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 no. It was eclectic cafe. It was eclectic. And so, yeah, I proposed to her. <laughs> I proposed to her. I was mm-hmm. like, girl, I want to start a kettlebell club in Memphis. No one else is doing this. Even, no offense, but even the people that are training kettlebells in Memphis are not doing it properly. I should know because I've bopped around town and I've seen how people work with kettlebells and it's it's not proper technique. And so I proposed <laughs> it to her like, hey, in the next whatever, let's start a kettlebell club. And then what do you think happened a month later? The fucking mm-hmm. COVID-19 pandemic swept America and... This is what I love. And then I I promise I won't hog the microphone. Go for it. We instantly clicked in terms of our ambition and our drive. We, yes, we were faced with this pandemic, but I was like, Robin, I'm still interested in this. And she, 100%, we were on the same page in the same book from Jump. We both wanted to not, I don't want to use the word aggressive in a negative connotation, but we, we did want to aggressively start offering classes to people. Well, and I think it's like, you know, just making the best out of a shitty situation. You know, like we're stuck inside. We wanted to be coaching. For me, I was brand new in a new city and had no clients here yet because I just moved a month ago. So it's like, hey, we have an opportunity here. We have... People, we have old clients, you know, from New York, New Jersey, Chicago, places that we've been and mm-hmm. make the most out of what we got. Now yeah. on the Zoom that we mm-hmm. were doing today, totally. did you guys do? Um, those, are those the clients you're talking about mm-hmm. that you've had from mm-hmm. before? Well, so one of them that joins class is her mom. <laughs> yeah. 
And one of them is my best friend from Chicago, because I, I say I'm from New York, but I lived in Chicago for five years before moving to Memphis. You're from Chicago. I'm fr- I'm, you can't Damn. say that. You can't say that. No, you can't say that to She's Chicago not. people. You can't tell people I'm from Chicago no. because they'll be like, what precinct? <clears throat> yeah. No you know, shit. where'd you live? What school did you go to? I'm like, oh, I'm not from Chicago. Yeah, but we but, started, yeah. so just going off of what Nikki was saying, so then, yeah, COVID happened, shutdown happened, we were stuck inside, so instead of starting, we wanted, originally our name was Memphis Kettlebell Club, that was our plan, we decided why not start a quarantined kettlebell club, QKC, so that's what we did, we got on Zoom, we started teaching the virtual classes, kind of grew a little virtual community, and um, yeah, I guess, you know, it was kind of, the rest was history from there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, we're we're coming up on two years nice. of doing the virtual classes, and we started in person classes in Overton Park, I think in April of twenty twenty. April twenty twenty. Like it was pretty yeah. quick, and you know, as everyone can relate, the beginning of the pandemic, especially in America was confusing. We just kept getting mixed messages. We didn't know what was happening, what was allowed, what wasn't allowed. Things are shutting down. Oh, if I just look at someone, am I going to get COVID? Like it was very confusing. There was just so many questions and not enough answers. But we just kind of got the ball rolling and said, hey, if you guys are up for it, meet us in Overton Park. Saturday at 9.30 a.m. is what we were doing at Mm -hmm. the time. And people showed up because they were ready to work out and have a community and just be around people. I think, you know, a big part of fitness, it's like, it's like, you know, there's people that go shore for the training and they go because they want the physical results and the workout, but a big part of it too. I think they just want to be around other people and like socialize and have somebody. Yeah. That's what CrossFit got right from the get go was creating a tribe Mm -hmm. and creating like workouts of the day, the wads, Mm -hmm. because you were, linked up to use your your name from the beginning like you could link up with people all over the country yeah from a, through a workout mm-hmm. and that that is just that will never die in mm-hmm. fitness is tribalism and community yeah and it's interesting right because i think like the past two years obviously the virtual community with training blew up so much in so many ways and that was like when peloton got really big yeah but now you're starting to see, now that people are becoming more comfortable, yep. you know, being in person, Peloton's starting to drop. And I think it just goes to show that the community aspect of fitness is such a big part of it. For real. And that's, you know, what's going to really stand the test of time, I think. Peloton is in big, big trouble right yeah. now. Because um, of Sex in the City? They killed people. The hat and, no, like, their stock went from, like, two-something to, like, $45 this last week. Yeah, and they Whoa. laid off, like, 2,500 people. Whoa. So, they? they yeah, they laid, they, they went in, I guess the, uh, the board of directors, whatever, I don't know what it's called. Mm-hmm. They went in, replaced the CEO, said, you're out. Why? They, um... Because uh, not enough people are using it the, the way they were, like Robin was just saying. And they laid off those 25, 2,800 people. And, you know, they're obviously offering them um, compensation, insurance, and stuff like that. Shit. And, but, dude, it's they're hurting massively. Because yeah. if Peloton was making so much money and everyone was buying those they're bikes. Peaking. Because... But it's a one stop shop, right? Yeah. Like you buy a bike and then where's the continuing? Yeah, I know that they have it's the, the classes. That's what I don't it is. really understand. I don't know all of it. Yeah, I get it now because with the treadmill that I bought recently, mm-hmm. it ha- it's it's 
iFit is the club, and it's either pre-recorded classes or live classes. So in a way, it was like kind of creating that communal aspect. Like I don't know about you guys when it comes if you do spin classes or have done. I haven't done one since February 2020 because I only want to do it in a live class mm-hmm. because of that community aspect and that group drive and motivation. But I mean, it's one of those things with Peloton. It's like they peaked so high in 22020 and then they had all those controversies with the treadmill and then sex well, in the city. Because you have millions of people <laughs> buying a bike and then it's like you can yeah. only. What's the sex in the city know. thing? Oh, so in the first episode, Sex in the this City is, is back. Are we going to talk about this? I haven't yeah, 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 yeah. watched it yet. I've just heard from so many people. I did watch it. I'm a big Sex in the I City did watch fan. It. But so this is what I heard is that in the first episode, Big Chris Noth is doing a Peloton. North. I thought it was North. Noth. Noth. Um, I'm sorry. Is doing a Peloton and a Peloton class. He's and doing he, a Peloton. He has. <laughs> he has a heart attack and dies. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yep. So yeah. then Peloton's stock plummeted. Oh, but the then show? he did that yeah. commercial Isn't for Peloton. But then he did that commercial for Peloton oh, right he? after the that. Damage yeah. the, the damage was done. The damage was done. So Big is like the Carrie's um, husband. Who's Carrie? Uh, the main character. Oh, oh, yes. yeah, so yeah. like, Come on, Tony. I've never and, watched it. <laughs> and like it, it's only been popular since the 90s. It just completely... <laughs> Tank their rep, and people don't yeah. give a shit now. They're, they're moving How on to the next thing. How wild is that? There were so many things Just wrong with that episode, the though. There, did, did you did you watch it? I haven't seen it, but oh I, do, I, 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 I watched those clips. I had so, yeah. I had so many it. problems with it. I stopped watching it after the first episode. That like I love that the show so much. Oh, I did too, but it just it just ruined it. But yeah, it gave. But kind of like it reminded me back of. Did any of you ever watch This Is Us? No. Nope. Mm-hmm. So there was an episode. Well, Crockpot had a similar problem because oh. their house burned the down. The thing blew up. And people stopped buying Crockpots. But it's like you look at the temperature of it. It's impossible that the this Crock-Pot is what I want to could... know. Do you think surely the creators and the writers of This Is Us and same for Sex in the City, they had to communicate with Peloton and say, "We are going to use your bike." Right? Did it? Yeah. Did Peloton, Peloton know that Big would die? You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's a good. Maybe they didn't think about well, their sales tanking. Yeah, Were and the way okay that it was it? presented in the episode, it was like, did the Peloton actually cause the heart attack, or like, because he ju- he had it after finishing a ride? It wasn't. Okay, while it was on I mean, the it's bike. not a bike that's like causing you to have a heart attack. I don't it's, know. It's I don't know. Well, like think about it like this: like you have a big company mm-hmm. getting free advertising, or maybe it wasn't that's- free. So maybe they're like, they maybe they saw, oh, we're going to use a Peloton. Done. Yours. Go ahead. Yeah. That's Permission. What I'm wondering, like, you know. Were they told, like, we're going to use it in the Sex and the City reboot? Wow, enough said. Or was it, how are you going to use it? Oh, you know, yeah. like, one of the lead characters that kept drawing people in. But yeah, we're going to kill him. Loved. Yeah. 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 People are dumb, though. I mean, people <laughs> thought that I'm Corona t- yeah. was the coronavirus. <laughs> corona <laughs> sales. The beer. Yes. Corona beer. It, it really tanked. Their sales tank. Because... And Corona's a I good had beer. A, I had accounts going, what are y'all going to do with the the Corona and the Modelo? Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about what I'm going to do with it? They're you're like, gonna sell it. you're going to pick it up, right? It's bad. I'm like, God damn it. These people are so geez, fucking people stupid. People so stupid. I was like, man, coronavirus is like a virus that mm-hmm. is from like somewhere in Asia. Like it's not the beer, people. It's and they're like, Corona no. means crown. And 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 Corona. they use that word because of the way that the the virus looks under a microscope. Like it's just so fucking stupid that yeah. people would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people are not bright. 
Now you they're not. I know. They're you not. can't stop them from, I don't know. I don't know if you can stop them from being. What brought, what brought you to Memphis? Uh, my ex. I think that's kind of what brings everybody to Memphis, at least from what I found. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. It's either, it's either a relationship or a job, yeah, right? a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Um, moved here to, what was it, December? Tw- I'm looking at you like you moved here with me. Uh, December 2019. So right before the shutdown. Right before the shutdown. And, um, yeah, opposite opposite of Jersey. Opposite of Jersey, opposite of the East Coast. But, you know, it's like it's being here. Being here and doing this, it kind of made me realize I am much more comfortable, like, with the whole big fish, small pond totally. outlook versus, you know, the other way around. It's, like, out, like, up in the Northeast. It's, like, there's just, there's so much more competition. Like, Nikki was saying, you know, we're really, like, the only two. I mean, now, you know, Jared, there's, you know, two more that I know of, but strong first certified instructors, like, in this area of the Mid-South. Whereas, like, you go up to New York, New Jersey, it is so oversaturated. Really? Yeah. And or Chicago, yeah. But also just, like, nasty competition. Like, people don't want to work together. It's like, oh, you're stealing my client. Like, you know, this is my business. You know, this and that. Where? And in Memphis? In, I was saying in, in New Jersey. You know, that's just kind of what my experience in the industry but was up there. Unfortunately, that was also our experience in Memphis. It, yeah, it, like, was, it was too, to a degree. But we've also been <laughs> connecting with people who have the same outlook as us. Now we are. Now we now are. We it's are. taken us a long time to find other like-minded coaches mm-hmm. in the city of Memphis. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if people, like, or if y'all, if y'all did it together with other coaches mm-hmm. or whatever... And, you know, that's more people y'all can reach together yeah. and that's more money for everybody. Right? That's what we're Absolutely. saying. That's what we've been saying for two years. But yeah. believe it or not, when like not to harp on this, but the, one, the reason we had to change our name from Memphis Kettlebell Club to 901 Kettlebell Club is because we reached out to one of the only other kettlebell instructors in town and said, Hey, we're going to start this where we want to invite you to be a part of this, whether you want to come teach classes or scratch each other's backs. And she just denied that we could even name it Memphis kettlebell club because she was worried that it was too much like her own business name. And so we're like, Oh, but we're inviting to work with you on this. Not, oh, not to create also competition. LLC. Also, we paid for the LLC and the domain, <laughs> and you don't own it. So y'all did her a favor by not calling yes. it that. I mean, you could have Pretty 100% called 100%. it that and said, 100%. sorry, this yeah. we were going yeah. with that. There were some, yeah. some emails exchanged. Yeah. Strongly worded emails. Is she strong first? What is it called? Strong, strong first. Strong first. Is, is she certified? Yes. She is. She is? Yeah. She... Yeah, she's in a different area of Memphis though, and her clients are completely different. She focuses more on personal training, so that's where it's in right. Germantown. We all do, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was just, I, I don't know. Like again, when I moved, I moved from Chicago to Memphis in the summer of 2019, mm-hmm. and I had reached out to so many fitness trainers or gym owners in the area. Hey, do you want to get coffee? I'm new here. Hey, I'm just looking to like chat. I didn't even say anything else. That's all I wanted. I was like, do you want to get coffee and chat? I'm new here. And some people did not respond to me at all. Some people like pretended like they were interested, but then dropped the ball when I said, okay, time and place, let's go. And I just got this cold territorial vibe from the beginning. And I was confused because I was like, you know, especially as like a like a, a northerner, you always hear southern has- hospitality, southern hospitality, and I'm sure it's a trope and a stereotype. But like, I was thinking, oh, 
Maybe they'll be nice and welcoming to me. But no, I got the vibe from the beginning that people were trying to be territorial over their clients. And in in fitness, it confuses me because I'm like, aren't we literally here to get everyone healthier and fitter? Why are we competing? Like if I have a client that's not going to fit me well, I'm going to give him give him or her or them to Robin. I'm not going to hold on to anyone who we don't align personality wise, timeline wise, goals wise. And so I don't understand when people are so territorial. It should be greater than the money, right? That 100%. you're going to make. Like yeah. you're looking out for the your customer, your client, I should say. Like, hey, this is not working. Maybe you could work with their appreciate it, you know. Yeah. And then that person mm-hmm. should be very thankful if if she does end up clicking <laughs> with you. You know, that was really nice of you to you know, bam! Instead of no, I'm I'm gonna hold on to you. I'm gonna hold on to your money. You know, like nah. But I think the problem is, is like you know, and I've seen it too, is people taking on these clients that they really shouldn't take on. You know, it's and because they want more money. And then I think also with it too, it's like just in terms of like you know working together. I think burnout's a real thing, and it goes. It's like people who are new in the industry might be more prone to doing that versus somebody who's been in the industry for much longer and. You know, might have just kind of lost that. It's ironic to me in a city like Memphis where, you know, no offense to Memphis, but people aren't like obsessed with fitness here. Mm. You know, like people want live music. People want good food. People want good hangs. They like to drink. They like to party in Memphis. 100%. Yeah. They they use it's like the fitness. Food and food, music, drinking, food, music, drinking. It's a lot of like it's a deep seated cultural city. Mm. And So it's ironic to me that we're even competing over some of these clients where it's like, again, once again, wouldn't it be great to collaborate? And we're actually doing that. Um, We're we're forming a bit of like a kind of by women um, group. I say by By women women, for women. Yeah, Yeah, but uh, but not just for women. It will be for everyone. But we're we're working with another female coach in the area to create like a bunch of badass female coaches, mm-hmm. again, that all have different specialties. Some people have Pilates, kin stretch, yoga, uh, kettlebells, barbells, mm-hmm. and we're just going to come together. To We don't know yet. This is literally the beginning. Yeah, it's brand, brand new literally within like the last week. But we're I, just, we've started. I think that's a great idea because, mm-hmm. hey, for for sure, stretching, Pilates, yoga, go see this person. Exactly. For exactly. Weightlifting, muscle building, go see... Whoever, you know, mm-hmm. it's, so a, it's a big, tree. there's a big intimidation factor with it. And I get it at apex with clients all the time. You know, I'm actually at that gym. I'm the only female trainer. So it works for me sometimes because women come in and they're like, I want to work with another woman or with another woman. But one of the things that I'll hear most often, I'm sure you hear it too, is that, you know, they're afraid to walk into like a planet fitness or, you know, an LA fitness because they don't know what to do with the equipment. And, you know, there's this fear of looking stupid or, you know, going over to a dumbbell rack and not you and not knowing totally. how to do it. Yeah. And I can relate to that, too, because when I was, you know, young and starting out, I just wanted to lift weights, but I had no idea what I was doing. So what would I do? You know, I'm sure you've seen gyms that used to have this. I, I don't really think it exists anymore. But like that back room in the corner where it's like, this is the woman's area. And mm. you walk in and it's like a circuit of machines and yep. like. What do you do? You hide in your corner and you just go around the machines yeah. and French on Highland used to have that. Remember, mm-hmm. yeah. it was a really big gym, French Riviera Spa, locally. Okay. Yeah, and um, the one the closest to us over on Highland, they they used to have it, mm-hmm. and it was like you just said, it was like 
like I think maybe 15 machines back there. Yeah. And that was it. And 15 then, machines, a treadmill, and an elliptical. Mm-hmm. Maybe a Stairmaster. Go to the corner, hide away from everybody else, and give, you know, give the men and everybody else that knows what they're doing 80% of the gym. Totally. It's um. So I think that that's part of, like, you know, what this project is going to be. It's going to be showing, you know, teaching women, you know, giving them a safe space where they don't have to be intimidated and they can learn. And that's really what it's about, yeah. I think. Do you think women-only gyms are going to make it back? I think it's – I personally think it's a bad idea because there were – in Chicago, there were – I think it was called Women's uh, – oh, my God, Fitness World or something like that. It had, a, like, Women's Fitness World mm-hmm. or Curves or something. And I almost started a business that was really, like, by women for women and, like, no, I'm only working with female clientele. But, mm-hmm. you know, and this could get into a longer – a bigger conversation about – progressivism and being woke and cancel culture and whatnot. But I think sometimes if you pigeonhole yourself too much, then you're starting to do the opposite of what you Mm. wanted to do. You're like, oh, we're including women, but then you start to exclude other people. And not for nothing, but especially as, you know, the gender spectrum gets played with a lot more and whatnot. Like it's if you start to say, oh, we only allow women, then people will be like, well, what about non-binary people? What about trans people? What about Mm -hmm. gender neutral people? Like where where do I fit in if you're only catering towards women? So I think it would be I mean, I'm sure other businesses can make it successful, but I wouldn't be a fan of only a women's space or only a man's space. Yeah, that's some, I think that's something that we both share and we both said from the get-go that's very important to us is we want to be a safe space for everybody totally. where everybody can feel accepted and comfortable, you know, totally. in their space. What brought y'all to Kettlebell? Like, mm. the actual Kettlebell? That was, that's, gosh, let's say, it was, I got dragged to a class. It was 2011, right after my... High school boyfriend had left to for boot camp. I wanted to get into lifting weights. I was also bored and just looking for something to do. And a friend of mine dragged me to a kettlebell class. And it I just I became hooked right away. Mm-hmm. I, I just felt I fell in love with it. it. You know what? It involves a lot of skill and there's a lot of different just techniques. And the trainer, the trainer of um the class that I went to, she was a super strong woman, and I was watching totally. her, you know, press these weights, and I was just in awe. And I was like, I want to be able to do that. You know, she's grabbing like two 35 pound bells and like pressing them overhead for like eight, 10 repetitions. And I could barely press one 15 pound bell over my head at the time. And I was like, I want to do that. And I just, I pretty much just became hooked. I think it's usually that the same thing happened where like there was one instructor at, I I only got into fitness in 2014. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't give a shit about fitness beforehand. Mm -hmm. And there was one instructor at the gym I was going to in Chicago that was obsessed with kettlebells. He's like, you got to come to my kettlebell class. And their passion, their obsession, it kind of hooks you. You're like, okay, I kind of want to, what's he drinking? Like, I want to drink what he's drinking. And I went to those classes and same thing, like the, the animation, the passion, how excited they were, but also sweating and working hard because Mm -hmm. the other reason is, you know, my favorite quote is a kettlebell is a gym in a handle because you're not just doing strength. You're not just doing cardio. You're not just doing core work. You're doing everything. And you can create these complexes and these flows, or you can just do heavy, strict sets of presses or squats. Like you, you really can do anything you want with a kettlebell. And so when my clients come and even say like, oh, I know I need to do cardio, but I hate running. I'm like, 
well, you just listed one way to do cardio. Let's do some swings. Let's do some kettlebell swings. Let's do some kettlebell snatches. So, yeah, I think it's always the passion of other instructors that gets you hooked. That's and then what gets you, you hooked with you anything, though, right? Yeah. It's like you see somebody that, like, thinks, like, one they thing is, it. like, totally awesome, you know, no matter what it was. And it's like, well, shit, I want to do that now. Yeah. You know, I want to try that now. And, um, you know, I think for some people, especially like for me, like at that time, you know, I was, you know, what in my early twenties and it's like, you know, we're all going through our own trials and tribulations at that age. And it was like, it became a very like healthy coping mechanism, I totally. think for me, just like going and training. And then once I got really good with bells, then I started gaining confidence in other areas of fitness. And then I got more into barbell training and I dappled in like some martial arts and did a bunch of other stuff too. And, um, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and then you start teaching it to other people and, paying it forward and you just, yeah, you get hooked. And I think that's one of the reasons people love our classes so much. I mean, not to like sound cocky, more, more to sound confident, but Mm. people say they like our energy. They Mm -hmm. like how excited we are about kettlebells. They like how excited we get to teach people new movements or, or watch them strict press a new bell overhead. So it's all about the energy. It's really that's what makes the world go round and giving a supportive environment. Like there's nothing worse when like you go into a class or you're working with, I don't know, a trainer, like other people where you could tell that they really just don't care. Like even worse, they kind of shame you a little bit and it's like bad competition. And I don't like that, you know? So I think that's part of it too, is like, you know, just being in an environment that supports, that supports other people. My clients to feel ashamed about, their abilities or lack thereof, because I think you just fail as a human being when, when you make someone feel worse about themselves in Mm -hmm. any capacity, I think you're doing something wrong as Mm -hmm. a human being. Like I really do. Unless I'm, well, I suppose there's always reasons to be like, yeah, but your, (laughs) your, your thought process is truly fucked, sir or (laughs) ma'am. We don't need to get into that. I mostly mean with, 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 yeah. And like, especially in fitness, like I have clients that quote unquote, can't do certain things. So great. We're not going to do that. We're going to either change the exercise or regress the technicality or Mm -hmm. the challenge of it Mm -hmm. and come to a place where you do feel successful doing something. Yeah. Well, my, my, my mindset is always, I can't, I can't do this. I can't, you know, and then here we are, but like, Mm -hmm. um, just like what's what's her name, Hannah? Yeah, Hannah. The, uh, yeah, the one from yeah. class today next to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Like he got her to do that thirty pound kettlebell after she Word. said she couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Like she said it like four times she couldn't do it. She's like, well, let's just try. Yeah, like take like two minutes to rest and then try. And then she, she, I think she was. Well, you, I think both of y'all are really happy for each other because you were able to con- give her the confidence to do it. Yeah, and then she was really happy that you were happy that mm-hmm. uh, she was able to do yeah. it. Yeah. So like celebrating that's what people need sometimes though. It's like, all you need is just somebody to like believe in you. And also just sometimes somebody to tell you to freaking do something like it's one of our pet peeves is when people say they can't do something because it's like, you don't even know yet. The fuck Mm -hmm. you looking at, man. You don't even know yet. (laughs) Seriously. Like, like as soon as I heard, I can't, I can't, I was like, Oh, I want to change that (laughs) because it's like, yes, we could get into the science behind positive mindset and visualization and how that's literally made people stronger and mm-hmm, hit PRs mm-hmm. they never thought of in the weight room and stronger, in but also going into just your, your overall attitude and like success with sure. everything, with anything, with anything. Perspective is it's yeah. But, 
but but I it's like a pet peeve like like my like I have an itch to scratch when I hear mm-hmm. someone say I can't do that and and listen like now especially in Memphis this didn't happen in Chicago but most of my clients are women above the age of 50 and most of these women are coming to me not having lifted heavy weights like they might have lifted weights with a previous trainer or in a class before, but not heavyweights. And I will be that coach to make you lift the heavier weights. Why? Because I believe you can do it. And I know you should to get your results. So I have some clients that I get it. Like, it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be nervous. It's okay to even be like a little doubtful, but let's work on your mindset first. And then let's get you actually moving the heavyweights. And then, wow, like, boom, you see they're faces light up. Like, I didn't Mm -hmm. think I could do that, but I just did. I wonder what else I could do. And there's a process with that too, right? It's like, you have to build that trust with people. Yeah. You know, when you have clients that come in, because I have a few, most of my clients, I, I, I have, you know, I have a few clients who are about, you know, that age too, but they come in and they are, they're very fearful. And a lot of times maybe they've had a bad experience with another trainer. So there's a distrust right away. And you have to work with them. You know, you throw them some slam dunks, like, you know, right from the beginning and totally. show them, you know, here's stuff that you can do. I'm not going to give you anything that you can't do. And that's part of the job of being a coach and being a good coach. Um, but, you know, you build that trust and then slowly they start to build trust within themselves. And then you can see that shift, you know, you see that shift. It happens and it's it's pretty awesome. Do you guys ever get a client that you just don't want to do work with anymore? Like, hey, yes. man, you know, yes. or man, why don't you go on? Like firing a client? Yeah. like I, hey. I fired one client one time. Really? Yeah. Only crazy. one? I did just, I fired one client. I'm trying to remember. So I've only fired one. two clients. Yeah. It was, um, it was, I used to do, so I did, I used to do more nutrition coaching. Like mm-hmm. when I was in New Jersey, I ran a nutrition program out of the gym and I had, um, I had this one client that I started with and we worked together for maybe, it was maybe about like four weeks, but every week we would, we would have a weekly check-in, you know, where you come in, you know, we have a sit down, answer questions, you know, concerns, things that you're struggling with. And every single week she just this client, she just never did her homework. And it would be the simplest Mm. things, you know, let's have a serving of protein with your lunch. You know, that's it. That's all you have to do. There'd be an excuse, you know, why I can't do this, why I can't do that. But then just the constant like ongoing of like, you know, text messages of like, you know, this is going wrong. That's going wrong. Like, should I be doing this? Should I be doing negativity? Oh, do you think that I should be, you know, counting calories? Like, you know, I'm doing, I'm totaling, you know, my calories every day and it's this much and that doesn't go with what you're doing. And it was very clear that there was a strong distrust with this person Mm. on my end. Mm. And if you don't trust me, this is never going to work. It's never going to work in a so fitness setting. So why are you setting? paying me? Why if you are you don't paying me? Yeah, I was like, you know, it's not why cheap. Why are you paying no, me? No, it's not. This is a and premium. And it's like, you know, if you're question, if you have questions for my methodologies okay. or whatever, that's absolutely fine. That's one thing. But when you're questioning every single step and clearly not trust me, it's just not going to work. That's a good reason so, to fire someone. Yeah. So we had a sit down, and she came in for her session one day, and I said, "Look, I said, you know, this isn't working, and I don't think you're ready." And then when I said, "I don't think you're ready," of course, there were, "Oh no, but I am, but I am, but I am." No, no. Like, here's a number to somebody else. Yeah, Yeah. I don't want your money. It gets to a point because, you know, firing is such a strong word. Like, someone taught me a long time ago, like, if you feel like you need to let go of someone who's paying you for a service, I, I, my favorite quote is, 
I cannot in good conscience continue to take your money mm-hmm. for something that is not working out. Whether mm-hmm. it's it, it's you're not doing the homework I'm giving you or we keep having the same repetitive questions or observations and perspectives. Like it's just a freaking hamster wheel, mm-hmm. a cycle. And I hate to say it, but sometimes it becomes a cycle of abuse. Like yeah. I've had clients mentally and emotionally abuse me in a way that I just I'm they're they're taking up so much of my time outside of the sessions I'm thinking about them I'm replaying things I'm talking to my wife about them I I just can't figure it out I don't know what I'm doing wrong and because I beat myself up like if my client is dissatisfied with something or unhappy it must be my fault right and so there I've I've only had to fire three clients in in my six and a half years of training but it all mostly was because we're just not a good fit anymore. Yeah. Well, and that's where you refer out, right? And I think that's always, a big part of being always. a professional too. It's like, you know, I just can't help you. I'm going to refer you over but to But this is someone this I think can. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. just to leave them high and dry. But I think what you were talking about, though, goes into something that, you know, you and I have talked about plenty of times, which is creating boundaries with people and creating, you know, healthy boundaries with clients because there's this, there can be this weird like dichotomy sometimes, right? And I don't think it's just with training. I think it's really with any profession where you're there and you're the client, you know, you're the client's friend, especially these past two years in COVID where I've had multiple clients that say to me, you know, you're the only person that I see Mm. like outside of my family, you know? So I'm going to talk to you about these things. And I definitely teetered with it sometimes because I would be tempted to, you know, maybe share more personal things about like, my life or other things, but I, I chose not to because it's, you know, no, I'm a professional and you're paying me. So I should just be this person for you or whatever it is you want me to be. But sometimes those boundaries, you know, when you see them multiple times a week, they can blur. I've always had a hard time with boundaries in my clients. But for me, like that's helped me from like bringing work home, so to speak. Cause I've definitely had that before, especially when I was behind the bar, like way more so. And that's kind of where I learned, a lot of that because if you don't have separation it's like yeah you're always at work <laughs> you know? you'll get the clients texting you at 10 o'clock at night mm-hmm. and asking you questions oh, and no i don't like, answer texts after eight no i don't yeah. I, well like what I've do they ask you like what do they i'll never forget this is actually another client i had to fire in chicago it was the night of the 2016 election which was no matter where you stood it was an an, an intense night and this one client texts me at 10 o'clock at night, basically telling me what he did recently, like what he was working on. And he's like, what do you think about that? And so first it was just a vague question. And then the next day, like when I clearly didn't respond to him, because mm-hmm. I was like, this is after hours and it's yeah. a particularly unique night. Um, the next day, when most of the people I ran into were in tears he texted me again. He was like, oh, yeah, that was interesting. But you know what? I wanted him to win. So da 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 And I was like, I, I just can't respond to you right now. Like, I don't have the words to respond to you right now. This is a time that, like, now it also gets tough when your personal boundaries feel like they're starting to blur. Like, I've had clients say things to me that, you know, one client asked me, like, what's the point of gay pride? Like, I don't get it. Like, why? Why? Why be proud about it? And I think you posted. You posted about I posted that. A story I remember. About it. See, I remember. Because I was just so that. taken aback and so hurt in that moment. Because it's an opportunity for education. It's an opportunity for education. But once again, I'm like, 
You're here for your early morning training session. You're paying not to talk, not to talk about pride. Yeah, and I'm trying to get, I'm trying to coach you and do the session. But like, if this were after hours, we're at a bar, we're at a restaurant, and you say something like that, you're gonna get a different Nikki. You're gonna get like, oh hell no. Do you want to break it down? Do you want to talk about the persecution and prosecution that's still happening with gay lives? And tell me why I can't celebrate being gay. Being gay is one of my favorite things about myself, and I will get into it about why I like being gay and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But when I'm being the trainer for the moment and trying to coach you doing push-ups, what do I say? You know, I'm not trying to pick a fight with my client. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that these people, like, I don't train anyone that's homophobic, you know, as far as I believe. So there are moments when you're having, and it could be a good client that just all of a sudden says something that you personally want to explode at. But professionally, you're like, no, I got to, do my job right now. Keep I gotta your hat on keep and it stay in. in the role. And, keep it in. Mm-hmm. And you give as, you know, as, as calm of an answer can. as you can. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, well, actually. So there are some moments like that that you'll encounter, especially in a, a service industry. Like mm-hmm. we are still part of a service industry. I'm still providing you a service and you mm-hmm. are paying for said service. So you have to be careful mm-hmm. with your boundaries. You really do. Is there such a thing as too many clients? Totally. Depending on the type of coaching that you do, I think, you know, if you're doing like they're 100% is, and I think you have to learn that as a coach. Like I do. So the gym that I work at, we do individual training, but mm. we can go up to like a three on one, um, okay. a three on one session. So I'll have three clients at a time, but each of them will be doing separate programs and they'll be doing their own thing. But that's the way that it's designed. If you're in a studio where it's, you know, one on one, you know, it's a little different, but I, th- I think that's really, I think that goes back to the individual and it's like, you know, how many hours do you want to work and what do you want your work life balance to be? Yeah. I'm kind of at a place in my life where I'm trying to, I've gotten a lot better with the work life balance, but there was a while where it was terrible and I would just take on too much. Yes, and I, you know. I had the mindset of, if I was saying no to work, I was doing myself a disservice. Totally. When really you realize, oh, if I have less clients and I'm working less hours, I can take care of myself more and then do better work and have better results for, you know, my clients and my business. So you guys have the club together, obviously, mm-hmm. and you all and you work at. I work at Apex. So okay. the gym that we were just at okay, um, okay. for class. Yeah, that's where we teach our Saturday morning classes out and of. And then you, I own my own training business, NV Strong, where. I have a gym in my backyard. That's where I'll do my in-person and my mm-hmm. virtual training sessions. And then I also have clients that I just write programs for. So mm-hmm. I don't see them. We might text, but I write them a monthly program for them to do on their own. Yeah. So I, aside <clears throat> from working with Robin, I'm 100% solo. Mm-hmm. I say I work for my clients. I, I don't, I barely work for myself. I work for my clients. Yeah. They're, they're the yeah. one cutting my paycheck, you know? Yeah. And I have that, I have that mindset too. Cause even I work out of the gym, but I'm still an independent contractor yeah. and I do, um, I have a few clients who I write at home programs for as well, but yeah, primarily, yeah, it's the personal training and that, and then, you know, we run the club together. Do y'all's programs include nutrition or is it just workouts? I used to do a lot more nutrition coaching. I kind of got away from that, but if there's a client that wants it, then I will provide that for them. I try, I'm not only, so Robin is certified in nutrition and I'm not. So not only is it literally out of my scope of practice to offer nutrition and diet advice, 
I think nutrition can be a slippery slope because if we're talking about the client who just wants basic education of macros and and how much protein should I have on a daily basis? How much water should I drink on a daily basis? What do you think about these carbs versus those carbs? That's fine. That's all general information. I'd rather tell you what I've researched and done over the past seven years as opposed to you Googling it or getting misinformation from your friends. But when it comes to the client that's like, I need to lose 100 pounds, I'm like, ooh, we might need to get you talking to like a therapist that specializes in the emotional and the mindset around nutrition because that it almost becomes less about what you're eating and how much you're eating and how you're timing your nutrients with your workouts. And it's more like, what's your emotional relationship with food? And I am very not like I'm not um I'm blinking on my words I'm that's so far out of my scope Mm -hmm. of practice Mm -hmm. like I'm not a therapist yeah and that's the problem that was the problem that I ran into with nutrition coaching also where it was it became a lot more difficult just to go between the roles of like being a trainer and being a nutrition coach right because I actually went to college for um social work that's what I so I wanted to do therapy originally and then I just changed gears though. I still feel like I do that sometimes too. Oh, yeah, But especially with nutrition coaching, it's like eating is such an emotional thing for people. And they think that they need, you know, they think that their problem is that I have, you know, my macros wrong. I'm not, I'm eating mm. too many carbs. I'm eating too much fat. I'm not eating enough of this. Oh, I'm not getting my protein in 30 minutes, you know, after yeah. my workout. That's not your problem. You know, your problem is you need to, you know, get real real and get back to why, you know, you're binging on cookies at night. Like there's that's extreme, but it's it's all connected to the emotion and when you can get. And and so a lot of times with that, that's really the barrier with people. And it's like what you're eating really isn't the problem. It has so much to do with all the other shit that's underlying with that. And not to mention, like, it's not even sometimes it's so much more beyond emotions. It's family. It's mm -hmm, culture. mm -hmm. It's like how you grew up. You were brought up. Exactly. Like, also, who who do you live with and who do you date? Because I know people that like, especially when, um, to a couple is of different cultures. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, I can't not eat what my fam, my in-laws are eating when I go over for Thanksgiving yeah. because it's so important to them. And especially with families like Greek families mm-hmm. and Jewish families, they're like, eat, 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 you know, and you don't want to be rude because culturally that's such a rude thing to do Absolutely. to say, no, I'm not going to eat your Greek food, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so there's so much baggage behind food that yeah. That's why I've I've always said like no I'm not a nutrition coach I can point you in the direction of a nutrition coach but I don't I don't even want to take on your stress mm-hmm. because if you gain one pound as opposed to lose one pound you usually are blaming me well and the interesting thing is too it's you know eating disorders are something is something that's diagnosed regularly right you know you get diagnosed with it, but there is so there are so many disordered eating habits and I think if you take a hundred people. Nine, 90 of them will have some type of disordered, you know, behavior when it comes to I've eating. I've had Would years you of disordered yeah. eating and body dysmorphia. Sure. And I'm still, I still struggle with it every mm-hmm. once in a while. It's gotten better, mm-hmm. but yeah, I agree. I think, unfortunately, I think like most of the world struggles with a form, like disordered eating or body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. And that just is what it is. Like even we were talking about this recently, even the movement towards body positivity. We ta- yeah, we were talking about this yesterday. I'm not a fan of the words body positivity. I am a fan of body neutrality because, mm-hmm. you know, 
there are bodies that come in all different shapes and sizes. So yeah. why don't we approach a more neutral landscape? Like it's not like if someone wants to gain weight or gain muscle, great. Boom. Let's mm-hmm. encourage them. If someone wants to lose weight or needs to lose weight or fat or whatever. Okay. Let's, let's see. First of all, is that safe? Like is losing but weight a good idea? That. But let's encourage that. Like, there's like, there's this, to. there's this trend right now where people are shaming on the diet culture, which, you know, with a lot of diet culture, sure, there's a bunch of terrible things out there, but they're shaming on people that want to lose weight. Well, don't, don't lose weight. Accept yourself, you know, love yourself for a, how you are. Well, and you can, if you're walking, but... you can, but if, you know, realistically, if you're walking around with 35% body fat, chances are, you know, you could be healthier and there's nothing wrong right. with losing fat. And, um, cause there's I... also nothing wrong with desiring change in your physique. I've had a client, this happened last year. She literally texted me and said, I want to lose 10 pounds. And I know that's problematic. I know. I know that's wrong of me to want to lose 10 pounds. And I'm thinking, why is that wrong of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's not underweight, you know, like if you're underweight and you're struggling again with serious, dis- well, eating disorders and body dysmorphia at that point, yes, let's teach you a way to want to gain 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm much more into body neutrality over over the term body positivity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what if, like, you know, I see, like, magazines, like, at Kroger and stuff while I'm checking out. Like, there's, like, a – it might be a guy on there. Or it's usually a woman, you know. But, Boy. like, if this is a man, like, a, it's a bigger lady. Like, that's not healthy, right? Like, being that big and being that short, like, your your body fat is way – it's way too much. Well, right? see, first it m- depends. And I, want- I hate that answer, but it does depend. It does right. depend because my first question is, what does healthy mean? Yeah. 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 What does healthy mean? What does fit mean? And what does that mean for that person and the lifestyle that they want to live? Because if like specifically talking about healthy, and I listened to a lecture about this recently where the, the, the lecture was literally titled um, like fuck, something about obesity. Can you, can you be healthy and obese? like specifically using that word obese. And because obesity takes BMIs into consideration and body fat percentage and whatnot, because if you look at just BMIs, you The Rock yeah, I was gonna say, is, has a, an, yeah. a, a high it's BMI. Extremely obese, right? Or whatever, right, right. right. Yeah. He has an unhealthy I, I BMI, quote I, unquote. We probably are too. If you go to the do- if you go to the doctor and like, you know, our heights and everything, probably. But then if you look at The Rock, you're like, well, he's not obese. He's just He's yeah. got muscle. And hey, are, are they natural mm. muscles? Yeah. You know, I don't think so. Ooh, I think yeah. that comes <laughs> with some performance enhancing drugs and whatnot. Um, again, that's another story. But but I think the, the concept about healthiness, it's like, well, are we just looking at blood sugar levels or blood levels in general or your hormones? Mm-hmm. Great. Get a mm-hmm. blood panel. And there are people that have high body fat percentages, like Robin's talking about 35% for women you know, that have good blood levels and hormone levels. So can you honestly say, like, if they have no complications, they're not in any pain, their joints function, they work out on a regular Mm -hmm. basis, can you honestly say that that overweight person is unhealthy? I don't know. I don't think you can because they could be healthy. But on the flip side, like, yes, we do commonly with statistics and whatnot, we do see when we enter these higher body fat percent ranges more complications, but then to might counter arise. that, you'll also see a ton of complications with people who are severely underweight. Oh, you know, you totally. take somebody who's severely underweight and do the same exact panel, you know, of you know their lipids, their you know their um 
you know, all of their like hormone levels, everything, and they're going to be severely unhealthy. And their bone density and whatnot. Yeah. Because like once you get to a point of being severely underweight, so much shit can go awry mm-hmm. with your bone density and how sure. your body is processing well, nutrients. I've told you, you know, it's I, there was a certain point where I was, you know, I was walking around at very, very low body fat and I was sure. fit and I was in shape, but I didn't get my period for two years. Ditto. That's not healthy. I lost that period for two years yeah. too, baby. But it was funny because going back to like that. <laughs> that menses. Going back goodbye. to that, that um, you know, but that like dysmorphic behavior. So that that was actually a goal for me at the time. Right. I was like, I want to be 100%. so lean. Snatched. That I lose it. And if I'm getting my period, I'm doing something wrong because I know that. Totally. You know, and that's it's how fucked up and, is that? And not only not it's, only might that have been unhealthy physically, but unhealthy mindset wise. Sure. Yeah. And so this is why I'm. I'm like trying I like to be not I don't consider myself a devil's advocate I just love asking I like questions. to play that position though sometimes because you can find out more. and people everyone we all use language in our own ways and I'm always like well what do you mean by that word mm-hmm. so I'm glad Raul asked that question because I'm always like well, but but what do you mean by healthy mm-hmm. because also let's be real like we know people in the industry and sometimes it's even ourselves where you might look at us and we have we're, our body fat percentage is under 20%, but not too low. We're still getting regular yeah. menstrual cycles yeah. and we look fit. We look strong. We're eating well. But if someone's drinking a hella bunch of alcohol or doing drugs, mm-hmm. like again, is, does that mean they're healthy? Right? Because they might look snatched and they might have mm-hmm. their shit snatched. on lock when it comes to fitness and nutrition. But if they're drinking copious amounts of yeah. alcohol throughout the week, yeah. I don't know that that's healthy. So it's not. It can't be. No, it's not. not right. No. So you can look the part and still be very unhealthy. Yeah. So that's why I'm always. I'm. That's what I'm interested in, especially. It is, and you know, I think again that goes back to like, what's the number one question you know that you ask clients or that I do? It's like, okay, well, what's your what does your healthy lifestyle look look like for you? What do you value? You know, do you value going out for dinners? You know, totally. Every week, you know, with your significant other, is that something you want to do? Do you want to have a glass of wine at night? Do you want to have a piece of like what? What is it that gives you enjoyment where you can live? You can have that balance. You don't feel Moderation. like you're sacrificing anything or punishing yourself. No, and that's that was a piece that I had to kind of get to with myself is where can I where can I live and train and feel healthy and still hit my goals in the gym. And not feel like I have to sacrifice because it gets really, really fucking overwhelming when you feel like you're sacrificing all the time. It's pretty interesting. Like if you were just to take a panel of personal trainers who are still in the industry five years from when they started, Mm because there's a lot of turnover, like Mm -hmm. the average lifespan of a personal trainer is like two or three years Mm -hmm. because people get burnt out or it's not worth it or other things come into their life. Mm -hmm. But if you ask, I bet if you ask trainers like, 10 years, they're celebrating their 10 year anniversary. What are the biggest mistakes you made in the first three years of your training, whether it was training yeah. yourself or your clients? Like I've said things to clients that I'm appalled that I even said, you yeah. know, yeah. or, or, or I've taught movements very differently than I would teach them today. I used to program burpees all the time. I sure. never do it anymore. <laughs> there you go. Or, or just Workouts even, you like, want to apologize stuff. for. And I would punish myself in the gym. Like yeah. if I, if I ate a little too much ice cream mm-hmm. the night before, mm-hmm. Or or a binge ate those cookies that you mentioned. Like I would punish myself. Oh, the I would next go to the gym, the gym at like if I had a night out like drinking and I woke up wildly hungover, I would say, You yep. are terrible. I would force myself to go to the gym, do totally. some type of ridiculous hit workout, totally you fast. Throw up the entire time. That's all I wanted to do for myself. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was sick and twisted. I've done the hungover workouts, the sick workouts, yeah. the shame workouts, workouts I'm crying during. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like so fucked up. Yeah. But I do know when I was hungover doing a workout, I did feel better with all the sweat coming oh, out. Do you feel better? I'm like, oh my I god, yes. Well, and then you start getting and like drunk to get like, off of the all right, smell Saturday of whiskey. night, time to do it again. Let's go. It <laughs> does feel better, like when you're sweating out yeah. alcohol. Oh, I I've actually feel pretty smelled good it. About I've actually that. smelled it from yourself. Go oh, from clients all the time. It hasn't happened as much recently, but before Tony was like, "Dude, you smell like alcohol." When yeah. was the last time you had a drink? I was like, "Dude, like I don't know, like four hours ago." I don't yeah. Know. I was like, "Dude, Jesus Christ." Yeah. Or like he'll open my bedroom door, like, hey, get up, we got to go or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, Wait. it smells like booze in here, mm-hmm. man. What the fuck are you mm-hmm. doing? I'm like, I don't know. That, whenever I train clients Sunday mornings, that was always it. I don't train clients I Sunday don't work mornings Sundays. anymore. Oh, you'd be smelling <laughs> yeah. on their breath oh, and yes. stuff. Even like after I brush. Wine like, or beer. It's like, or damn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the oh, fuck? Oh, I used to get, I had a client that I used to train. Um, We would train, God, what time was our session? It was like three o'clock or something like that. And he was an investment banker and he would come in and every single day, this dude would finish up work at like 12 o'clock and then just go to the bar with his buddies and yeah. drink for three hours and then come to his session. Because that's he would the lifestyle. come in reeking. And I'm like, I could tell he was totally like, in the bag at that moment, and I'm like, is it like, can I train you right now? Like, thank God I have a waiver. Like, yeah, <laughs> I have a friend that I used to train in Chicago, and he would laugh if he heard this story. <laughs> I like him a lot. But he was a friend, and that can be a tough boundary as mm-hmm. well, because, like, I want to be a bit harder on you, but, like, if you're a friend, like, I'm going to be nicer. So I would train him around four o'clock, but with his work life or with his job, he would get off a bit earlier some days, 1 p.m., 2 p.m., 3 p.m. This is this guy loves beer and weed. And so <laughs> some days win win. Yeah. You don't love both always. I love beer. I don't love weed that much. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of it was kind of a roll of the dice. I'm like, who am I gonna get today? Am I gonna get stoned? <laughs> I'm just gonna yeah. call him John. His name's yeah. not John. Am I gonna get yeah. stoned John or am I gonna get tipsy John? Yeah. And we had a rule where, so I trained him and his wife, and it was pretty funny. Like, I'd be watching her do, like, heavy back squats with the barbell, and I would just give him something simple to do, like bicep curls. <laughs> something and that you can't I'd be like, all right, dude. And I knew he was stoned at this. Well, actually, I didn't know he was stoned yet. But I told him to do bicep curls, and then I'm watching his wife do squats. And then I turn around, and he's doing upright rows, and he has a fucked up shoulder as it is. So he should not, he should be, not doing be doing this exercise. Rows. I was like, yeah. John, what are you doing? Like, I, I distinctly told you to do bicep curls. Like, um, uh, and, and I was like, oh, my God, you're so stoned, aren't you right now? <laughs> yeah. He was like, yeah, you caught me. But what was worse is one time we were benching, and he came about three beers in, which he's a tall dude, so it wasn't a lot. But Depends I could on what smell kind of beer it on you're him, drinking. especially when you're spotting someone on bench, and they're just breathing into you. You know exactly <laughs> what they just recently ate yeah. or drank. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, here is that beer. And he he was way worse when he had drank. So I, I gave him a rule. I was like, you are not allowed to drink. You can smoke if you want to before you come in to train with me, but save that beer for after our session. It'll taste better, too. Mm-hmm. But But yeah, I think there's actually been some studies that some people perform way better stoned off weed. Yeah. Chelsea Handler. Yeah. She literally posts videos of her doing shoulder presses mm-hmm. and smoking a joint. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if you drink before training don't or during, do that, don't no. do that. No. Like, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Isn't it killing your gains anyways? <sighs> with alcohol? With alcohol? Yeah. So there's you can there get away with a little research, bit. though, but depending on what your goal is, there is research that shows that it, it significantly impedes your body's ability to recover mm-hmm. when it comes to, like, fat loss 
or yeah. um, gains, it doesn't really make that much of a difference if it if you make it like fit in with it depends, the rest though. of your stuff. Because I've seen things like if you're just talking about like two drinks with that's, dinner, well, yeah. that's yeah. one thing. But like if you're trying to lose a lot of fat, you know, when you when you drink alcohol before a meal, your body gets fucked up mm-hmm. metabolizing that alcohol that it's not it really is not properly transporting all those nutrients that mm-hmm. you're getting in from your meal. So in a way, it's almost like if you're going to drink, first eat your meal, eat your healthy meal, get those nutrients transporting properly, and then have your alcohol so that your body can, yeah. and, you know. And that would actually be a tip that I always used to say to nutrition clients because, you know, one of the biggest things for people, first of all, I always, always underestimated how much the average person drinks. Like I you underestimated, I always it? underestimated it. I didn't realize how much people actually drink. Oh, we until, drink a shitload here in town. Yeah, especially in the in Memphis. <sighs> yeah, but one of the biggest things you know that I'd say to me was you know like just if you want to have a drink and it just delay it, have totally. your meal first, and after dinner you know because you're gonna drink have less. Your drinks, you're gonna drink less, and are you know so. But I've noticed like if you're on a muscle gain diet mm-hmm. or like a, a plan. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Having alcohol isn't as big of a deal. No, it's not. But, it, you know, it's but in terms of like recovery and. But yeah, I, recovery. It, it and makes, again, it it's the difference. same thing about nu- nutrient transport. Well, because you go into sleep too, right? Because it completely yeah. fucks up your sleep. And sleep is so crucial with your recovery. So if you're drinking, you're not getting an actual, you know, it's just going to fuck your sleep cycle all up. Yeah. Um, which will make a difference because when you sleep, that's when. And I only know mostly about alcohol. I don't always I don't know so much about weed because there's just also not a lot of research. And then you rarely see research about other harder drugs Mm -hmm. like shrooms and and Mm -hmm. cocaine. Yeah, which. Yeah. And part of it, I'm like, I like I wish there were more studies released out there about marijuana because so many people smoke weed. Why are we pretending that people aren't doing this? Like, Mm -hmm. why? Because it's illegal. Whatever. Nothing that I've read or like said has showed that it's bad at all. But there's. Right. And I've even asked my doctor. I'm like, what do you think about me smoking? weed like do you have a problem with that and she's like not really because like if anything we've seen more studies that smoking cigarettes is going to be worse for your throat and for your lungs but also she would follow up she's like there's also not enough data there's not enough studies that have been done about how marijuana might affect your throat and lungs and whatnot i'm like well where's this data i would say probably with that like shoot it probably more goes into like what comes along with the weed how do your habits change when you're high versus when you're not high well sure that's true and um, munchies and yeah like how would you study that really independently of everything I saw a study that recently came out where they tested people having had weed the night before Mm -hmm. work or having had alcohol the night before work and they're just seeing like what affects you more negatively I'm gonna tell you right now before I started this job at Budweiser you know we used to I used to eat like uh gummies or I mean you know Mm -hmm. edibles and stuff Mm -hmm. And they drug test you at Budweiser, right? Yeah. Yeah. This was before, yeah. Yeah. So you have to get to, you have to take a drug test to get hired. Yeah. And then they, they started doing randoms middle of last year. Yeah. I have, I know a couple of people who work the, for them. All the things were shut down, you know, like, yeah. so they were like they, were, they couldn't like send anybody, but they did three back to back to back in three days uh, <laughs> oh, last wow. week. Yeah. The randoms. Really? And one of my guys on my team, um, uh, he called. He's like, "Hey, did you get a phone call from HR?" I was like, "No. Was everything okay? Do I need to call them?" And he's yeah. like, "No, no, no. I was just saying they said that uh, our boss is on the way to come get me." I was like, "Looks like I'm going for a piss test, bro. Good luck." Yeah. I was like, "Now's the time. To, now's the time to 
get that you pass out of your car and go to the microwave and heat it up. Sure. Because if you're not going to pass, you're definitely going to fail the drug test. You're fucked, yeah. yeah. And because of weed? Yeah. So they just do the five-panel test, right? Mm-hmm. So it's weed, so shitty. Uh, cocaine, mm-hmm. like those five. I just yeah, heroin. Yeah. yeah, heroin's on there. Methamphetamine. Methamphetamine. And maybe like, like uh, I guess not alcohol. Oxycontins and stuff like okay. that. Those kind of pills. Okay. Like, that's interesting yeah, oh, though uh, like so al- they if uh, they do prescription drugs like how does that oh so uh, if you, well, you'd if have you, to prove yeah you if you prescribe that stuff you have to tell hr supposed to know okay, about it okay. ahead of time that way if you if you if you take positive for yeah. like oxycodone or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then oh you know here's my script yeah you know, I'm, oh or Ad- adderall adderall mm-hmm. is also on that list if you get popped interesting like, it's, yeah. it's something with adderall that this happened to my friend that uh, that you I I used to talk to him a lot you know him um, he Why he Adderall? failed because of something in Adderall and he was like no 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 I'm prescribed this god damn and they were like oh okay never mind yeah. then. we didn't know so I mean you know he kept his job and everything but they're like moving forward if we he prescribed he has to let us know because well I think you with know, that specifically dr- there's so much stigma around it like people yeah. get just get afraid to admit that well they say like Adderall uh, is this like coke you know or sure coke. yeah you just so fucking wired on it see i i take it and it's not it does not have that effect on me because you need it, it does not have that effect on me uh, give me some yeah. let me try yeah, right? <laughs> let me see let me see no but seriously though that's what i was always told and then i just always had so i had so much trouble paying attention listening you know getting things like i just just this Man. like you know fogginess like stuff that i always thought was normal and then just through talking to people i realized that when did you start <sighs> Four months ago? Probably about four Makes months ago. a lot ago. of sense, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it was specifically, I started noticing it a lot more, like with COVID and working more from home and doing mess with all your of that. sleep? Not at all. Because I've definitely, I know I have wicked ADHD. Yeah. I just, I worry that Adderall would completely keep, make me insomnia. It does not have that effect on me at all. Right. Yeah. Is yours time you? released? It's, or is it just one? It's time released. Like, it's time released. It's time released. Yeah, and um, yeah, it just it made such a difference with me. Good but no, you. I never had any of those bad side effects, and that's how I cut. Like it was almost like comforting because I was worried that that's how I would feel, especially the first time that I took it. Because I don't know, drugs always like scared me. Yeah. I I don't know, like I would drink and I would smoke weed, but I never did it. I never did anything else, which was you know working. You know, I worked in nightclubs for ten years, so yeah. it was amazing that I stayed away from it. But um, it was more of a fear. So like when I got you know when I got the prescription, I was like, I don't know if I want to take this. But then I took it and I felt just better. Like yeah. all of those like symptoms, like I found myself like listening more, paying attention more and like being able to hold conversation better. And um, good for you. Yeah. But like there is, there's a big stigma around it. How long did it take to kick in when you first started taking it? Like how long did you notice the difference? You mean like after taking the pill? Mm-hmm. Uh, half hour, 45 minutes probably. Oh, so you were able to focus better. Was it instant? Right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought that, you know, like some things you I have to Oh, like you mean in terms of like, no, like, no, 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 no. I would notice it. In a couple of days, you'll feel mm-hmm. like you start feeling the benefits from it or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't know. Mm-mm. No, right away. Like an SSRI yeah. or something. Yeah. I don't know. But no, mm-hmm. but the point I was getting on this was I would definitely feel like shit after mm-hmm. heavy drinking and going to work Monday yes. morning. Mm-hmm. Then. And like, or eating like some gummies or something like that. That's like, what the that, study induced. Yeah, like, or I know. Con- it concluded with the fact that like, just people. I don't have the exact wording from from the study, but those who drink alcohol before going to work were just less functional. They were they were less productive at work. Whereas those who smoked weed only smoked weed the night before, there weren't as many adverse yeah. effects. 
That's it's like funny. when we'll go, we'll go to Sunday fun day. We'll say, I'll, you know, I'll end up leaving around like 10 or 11. Sunday and, fun day. <laughs> and like, dude, like when I'm waking up at four o'clock the next on Monday morning, That's wild. I'm like, God damn, I cannot deal with this today. It's like I have you know? moments where I always wonder, it's like, how did I get by on like three hours of yeah. sleep for like years? Ooh, for like years. Like how? Yeah. You know, I, I can't know do trainers, it anymore. So kudos to you. <laughs> I, know, I knew trainers in Chicago that they would tell me, and you know, I'm going to respect this trainer over the other person who cancels their clients. But I, I knew a guy who taught group classes at 6 a.m. and he's like, oh yeah, sometimes we'd be out clubbing until four in the morning, and then I teach a. But you know what? He still fucking taught that class. Some yeah. people confront versus. Whereas I know versus, trainers that can't, I know a trainer who. Has canceled because he's hung over. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know you know that same trainer. I would be pissed and wants if to I was brag the about it. Hell yeah. yeah! Well, I mean, the customer doesn't know, oh, but yeah, it's true. like no. But I think it's such bullshit. Like, yeah, if you're oh, gonna be hung over, go to work, take responsibility, we're not even own that hangover. This, this particular, I know one. This happened in uh, anyway. A trainer like came up to me while we were working at the same gym. I was like, yeah, I was out to like one last <laughs> night, and so I texted my six and seven a.m. client like, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, count mm-hmm. me. And I'm like, am That's I supposed fine. to fist bump you right yeah. now? Like, what are you looking for? If you were, if I were your manager, I'd fire you on the spot. I'd fire you, right like, away. and also I always go back to the client. That might have been their only fucking time to train. Mm-hmm. Do you know how hard it is for our clients just to maintain a fitness routine? That's why they're paying us. That's something... They just want us to hold them accountable. And you yeah. blow off your six a.m. client because you didn't go to bed at a reasonable mm-hmm. time. Shame on you. That's something that I've struggled with, though, like exactly what you just said, is that I feel so much responsibility for my clients' workouts. Totally. That, like, if uh, there is a day that I'm sick, like, I, I had COVID a couple weeks ago, and I couldn't go into work for a week, and I felt so much yes. guilt because I had to, you know, I had to cancel on all of these people. And I'm like, that's, you know, it's, it's a real thing. And you still text them workouts and stuff. You know like, they're I know not. They're probably not doing yeah. them. I used to have such anxiety around traveling and Mm -hmm. taking time off like anything more than two days because i was like what are my clients gonna do without me they're not gonna work out and people would try to tell me like that's not your problem that's not your fault you still need to take the week off for thanksgiving you Mm -hmm. still because i like i've never i haven't lived in the same state as my family since 20 13. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm like seeing my family has to become this to do in terms of taking time off to travel. But it, it, it's just, you know, you start to really harbor a lot of guilt. You know, it's like empathy. You have to have a certain amount of empathy with your clients mm-hmm. to make you a good human, a good trainer. But if you have too much, then you'll you'll burn out. Yeah. You'll get swallowed whole. You'll you'll that have that does those go clients. into burnout though, and yeah, preventing it, totally. you know, is not taking is not holding onto that personal responsibility. Because well, we, cl- clients ahead. still want to blame you for everything. Yeah. Like that's the worst. Like clients do if they're not working at not everyone. But I, yeah, it, I haven't had that experience. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like I did. I did everything you told me. Mm-hmm. Lying, you know, like they lying to. To you, they yeah. know they're lying. I did everything in my diet was on point. I'm going to admit that two pizzas I ate a couple days ago, mm-hmm. you know, but I didn't lose any weight. We need to fix this. What are you going to do about it? Here's like, the thing. The I think that has to do with how you communicate it from the start, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of clients that come into the gym, if they're signing up to train twice a week, fact sure. is if you're only coming in and training twice a week, your results really like you're not going to you're not going to get optimal results because you can't get optimal results doing something for two hours a week. Yeah. You're just not. It has so much to do with like, you know, what are you doing? Those other 
five days? And what are you doing those other, you know, 23 hours in the day? Same thing with, you know, so I think it has to do with what the trainer is selling you. Like if you go to a trainer and you want to train with them once a week and they tell you, oh yeah, you know, you're going to get, you know, that six pack, you're going to get, you know, you're going to grow your biceps and all that stuff. They're lying to you because you're not going to get those results. I'm so fucking over the six pack. So fucking stupid. But like, and overrated. But, um, but you know, that's on the trainer. If you're falsely selling, if you're selling something that you're not going to be able to deliver, which you're only going to be able to deliver those results. I mean, but it, again, it three comes times a week, maybe, but to these same. small habits, like you said, like sometimes we just, like I have clients, especially when they start, they're like, okay, so what's, what's next? What do I do yeah. when I'm not in the mm-hmm. gym with you? Mm-hmm. And nowadays, sure, that too. for the past few years, what I've been saying is I want you to walk a minimum of 8,000 steps a day. Mm-hmm. I want you to try to eat protein with every meal, protein, mm-hmm. get some vegetables in every day mm-hmm. and drink about a hundred ounces of water every day. Mm-hmm. That's all you can do. They're like, okay, but okay. But like, what about working out? I'm like, all I need you to do are those three things. Start with that. And to be fair, yeah. for everyone that's not doing that if you started doing that every day 8000 steps a day 100 ounces of water a day uh, you know depending on protein how much at least like 100 grams mm-hmm. of protein a day you'll you'll already see changes in your body absolutely and yet people don't want to do that because it sounds like it sounds boring it's too simple it's, it's too, too simple it's like too they're simple. like no i thought you were going to yeah. give me the secrets yeah. like if i let me pay you. Let me pay you an extra two hundred dollars and pay for something that's going to give me like me, you know, get, those. Give me that secret. Results. Yeah, yeah. I'm like these are the secrets. It's like no, it's simple and it's, it's daily not sexy, activity. But it works. Yeah, water, protein, mm-hmm. veggies. You know, I have people that used to hit me up, or they do sometimes still hit me up. Like, well, how did you lose all your weight? What did you do? Mm-hmm. And I was like, this. You know, I, I have written down on my notepad, so I just copy and yeah. text it to them. Yeah. You know. Like, your, no, no, but, but like, what did you really do? Like, they don't, they don't want to believe I just, just walked yeah. at least 15,000 sure. steps a day, yeah. one yes. gallon of water. Yes. You know, I ate right on a, I chose a diet and stuck with that. They mm-hmm. don't want to listen to that. You know, they were like, well, what, you know, there's gotta well, be something what did you else. Actually, like, what did you actually do? Yeah. You must've spent an hour in the sauna every yeah, day, right? Like, like mm-hmm. it's gotta be something else. But that's like, I've had people weird. ask, you know, how long did it take you to like, you know, how, you know, oh, you can do pull-ups. How long did it take you to get to do a pull-up? Um, Six years. Yeah. Like, literally. When I first got into fitness, like, and I was doing it for two years, and, you know, you're in the locker room, and you're, all the women are changing in front of each other. So every mm. once in a while, I'd get a woman be like, how'd you get those arms? I was like, they are pretty massive. two I mean, years. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's my calling card. It took me two years how of consistent weightlifting, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. Mm-hmm. I keep getting distracted by this. What? Oh. I just want to grab it. Grab it. Put a Tony, finger in you okay, there. man? You haven't said much today. You're just listening? Oh, did Carly ever? She never wrote back. <laughs> it doesn't let you travel far. Nikki! You put a finger. You just told me to put a finger in it. I meant the other oh, hole. Oh, it's now gummy. <laughs> what sets you, what sets, this is a question to both of you. What sets y'all apart from other trainers? Mm. My beaming personality. (laughs) No, I think um, her voice, 
Her voice. Yeah, I'm very, so I'm very loud. Everybody. I'm very Nail loud. Skills. I remember, to- total side note, I'm just completely detracting from that question, but I'll get back to it. I went out on, this was, God, maybe like six or seven months ago. I went out on a blind date, a first date that from somebody that I met online, and he was, you Why know. Are you pointing from, at me? From the it south. Wasn't with it me. with you. But um, <laughs> we're like sitting at the bar, and we were there for maybe like 20 minutes, and he just looks at me, and he goes, you're really loud. <laughs> and I was like, yep, this is this. Okay. Did you end up dating yeah, that person? God, okay. No, yeah. just one date. <laughs> I think we were there for like maybe an hour. You know, it was a one it was a one drink thing. Um Yeah, that was funny. What's that what sets us apart? So I would say I think actually like it sounds so silly, but I think just actually really taking time to like listen to the person. Just listen to someone and hear them and connect with them and versus like just throwing a program at them and saying like, you know, here, do this. And, you know, I think there's like this like one size fits all approach with fitness so much. And it's just it's not that way. And there's a secret and there's like a missing thing with everybody that gets them to stick with something. You know what I mean? It's like you can go and you can get a workout from anybody and but I don't think that people show up to train with me for the workout. I think they show up for like the whole experience, the connection, the um the comedy. Yeah, but does that make sense? No, yeah, I think so. Does. You know what I mean? It's so much more than just the workout. Like people can go. It's like when you go to a bar, like you can get the same drink everywhere. Sure, you can get a sure, workout sure, sure. anywhere. There's you can go anywhere for a group class. You can go, you know, to the, you know, whatever, like a $15 planet fitness, but you're getting a lot more when you come and you work with, you know, a person, you're getting somebody who's listening to you, creating something for you, making sure that you're safe and giving you a good experience rather than just a workout. You know, I want people to be excited when they come in for their sessions. I don't want them to be dreading it. And I think that's a big part of my job. Yeah, I think I would say, and this goes for both me as a personal trainer and what I've been doing since Chicago and our club. I think Mm -hmm. it is the personality and the Mm -hmm. friendliness. And like, I like that my clients feel like we're friends. Like Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. I really am. You know, if you're a therapist, you're not really ever ethically allowed to be. If you run into your client or patient at the grocery store, you have to pretend like you don't know each other, but that's where some of the boundaries get blurred. And I admitted it in the beginning. I'm not great with boundaries always with my clients, Mm -hmm. but oddly enough, it's also the fact that I make my clients lift heavy weights. Like I think that a lot of, clients, my female clients that have worked with female trainers, they are not always being challenged to lift heavy Mm -hmm. and whatever. I don't know who they were working with before all the time and everyone has their own approach. But in Chicago, my motto was that I wanted to get every female client under the bar. So like under the bar for bench press or under the bar for for squats Mm -hmm. or something. I don't do quite as much anymore barbell stuff. It depends on the client. But I just like making people lift weights. And especially if you saw my gym in Chicago or in Memphis, I have a squat rack and I have kettlebells and dumbbells. Mm-hmm. Like we're not That's doing as much like, yeah, I do a lot of I do some body weight stuff, but I'm not putting them mm-hmm. on machines right now. I'm not doing like weird Pilates type shit or anything like I'm, I'm, I'm just sticking to the bare minimums. And I had one one client uh like two years ago in memphis she was like wow this is just wild like i've never done this before like this is crazy and i'm like crazy i just gave you a kettlebell and told you to squat it like it's not that crazy people have been doing this for centuries that's the funny you want to know the secret of fitness squat push pull hinge and then carry work sure carries but like 
fitness mm-hmm. has not really been revolutionized or, or evolutionized because it doesn't need, since the yeah. dawning of, of the first because time basic, someone moved Because a rock. basic shit works. Yes. And that's where Nutrition like, keeps changing. Nutrition keeps and changing. There's, and there's, there's, a lot more, of, there's a lot of, you know, right things. But I think you have to find something that people actually love and make them Love it. And I'm just, you know, like, it's, I, 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 yes, but I also hate, like, if, if a client, if a client comes to me and they're like, oh, my trainer always made me do something different. I loved it. I'm like, then I'm not going to work yeah. for you because I like yeah. to do the same shit. Why? Because that's how we track progress. Oh, if yeah. How many times have you done the same week, workout? I've done the same workout 50,000 times. 50,000 times. it works. Like, yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you, if, if a, if a trainer is not making their clients squat, push, mm-hmm. pull, and hinge, mm-hmm. just those four basic movement patterns, what is that trainer doing? I don't know. They're lying to you. I and think. then I'll throw I'll throw something else into that bucket too, just about like separation. And this is definitely something that Nikki and I try to do in our classes. I do it with my clients. I'm sure you do too, is education, right? Like teaching them yeah. why we're doing this movement, teaching them why this is the proper variation for them, teaching them how it aligns with their goals. How it aligns with their goals. Exactly. You know, you're a runner. Well, hey, we're going to do a lot of hamstring work to strengthen that because it's super important for running. And, um, you know, pressing, you know, people come in and they want to do like, you know, a barbell overhead press. Well, hey, like, you know, if you're sh- if you have, mm. if your shoulder mobility is struggling, well, we're not going to do that. So we're going to do this press instead because it's safer for you. Now, do they um, always listen to us and retain that information? No, no but that doesn't matter. <laughs> we're still, <laughs> but you we're know how still many doing times I'm like, oh, we're going to squat. We're going to do a goblet squat. Yeah. What's that? Oh, yeah. We did it last week. And the week before, and the week before that, and the we're, week before we're that. Gonna, we're going to press. We're going to press today. I walk to the other side of the room and come back, and they're squatting. Okay, <laughs> like you and know. so we do educate our clients. Yeah. Believe it or yeah. not, no Again, one's paying attention. If they retain the mm-hmm. information, that's on mm-hmm. them. I yeah. agree. They're not paying attention because that's part of the reason they come to a coach. They just want to be yeah. told what to do, and I'll tell you what to do, but actually do it mm-hmm. and don't talk mm-hmm. back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want to work? You, you want to work on your core strength? Well, we're going to be doing a lot of squatting, Squats. and this is why. Like, oh, no, just, yeah, we're not going to be doing crunches do because that isn't doing core. anything for your core. Yeah, like so. There's a big education piece, and with you know, with nutrition too. Um, but that's something else because I think a lot of times in uh, you know in other gyms and classes and things, people just tell you know coaches will just tell people what to do, tell yeah. them what to do. Well, no, they're actually people teach them, teach them the why, because if I have a client and you work with me for six months, even if we only work together for six months and you leave, I want you to leave knowing some skills and I want you to leave feeling confident in those skills. Um, But it's also, I think, and like uh, eventually I do want to write a book for new trainers, like how to launch your career as a trainer, because I think there's just so much stuff I wish I knew then. Mm -hmm. But one of the biggest rules when whenever you're working with any client is you have to give them both what they want and what they need. Mm -hmm. Because if your client comes to you and they're saying, I want to have massive biceps, and then you're like, okay, but I'm still going to put you through some of these Mm -hmm. movement patterns Mm -hmm. and their squat is shit, like it's total shit. 
then it's like, okay, I'll still train your biceps, but I also mm. have to teach you how to properly well, squat. Well, that's where you sprinkle in you stronger things then. to get them, you know, so that they feel happy and they feel like they're getting that. Yeah, totally. if you want biceps, then yeah, I'll leave you with a little arm pump at the end of every yeah, workout, we'll but you're still going to get some of the stuff that you but need. But I'm still going to make you squat. Sure. I'm still going to make you deadlift. Mm-hmm. Because if you leave my gym with massive biceps and like chicken legs or just, or not even chicken legs, not even aesthetics, just don't know how to squat properly, mm-hmm. then I've failed you, mm-hmm. I think. And I failed myself. Like, I don't want to leave that reputation with my clients. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's one of the other things that sets us apart mm-hmm. because some trainers only focus on what the clients want or only focus on what they believe the client needs. Yeah. And yeah. so you need to meet them halfway. Mm-hmm. What's next for 901 Kettlebell Club? Expansion. Oh, yeah. We're just trying yeah. to grow right now, you know both locally because there's nothing else. There's nothing else in Memphis like what we're doing. There's tons of options, especially for yoga and running. That's like everyone's favorite thing to do in Memphis. But when it comes to a kettlebell club, especially emphasis on club where we have a community and, and people are friendly and they recognize each other and they know each other's names, like we just want expansion. We want more people to know about us. We want more people to come to us. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're just trying. We already feel confident in what we offer people. We just don't think enough people know about yeah. us. And that's that's the hardest part is really getting the name out there and also taking away the, I think, intimidation factor that is sometimes there when it comes to weights. Like, you know, I think some people, they just see kettlebells and they're like, oh, that's, you know, totally. this scary thing. I don't know how to do it. You know, they're heavy. Or people, I've even heard people say like, oh, but kettlebells are really heavy. There's so many different sizes. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? No, I've, I had, haven't. I've had like, oh, those look so heavy. They just say they hurt your, uh, kettlebells hurt your back. I don't want to do mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, just the education piece and just getting our name out there and expanding our classes and growing. We're, we've been talking about putting together some more upcoming seminars. Um, yeah, we're coming up with an advanced workshop in That's March right, yeah. where we're going to cover the Turkish getup, the snatch, and the windmill. Mm-hmm. Just more advanced movements. We want to collaborate with other female coaches. We we just want to keep spreading the love of the kettlebell. Like, yes, the education. Yes, the empowerment mm-hmm. that you get with kettlebells. But just bring more people to our classes. Bring more people and just spread it, you know, throughout Memphis. And then, you know, we're working on expanding our virtual opportunities for folks that aren't in Memphis. We recently um, released a program for beginners, um, people who are looking to get into kettlebell training. We're actually working on putting together some more programs for folks, again, who aren't in the area or, you know, just want to do it on their own. Yeah. So we're just trying to be like... We're not we're not saying we want to be your only kettlebell choice, whether right. you're in Memphis or not in Memphis, but we want to be one of your top choices. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's Fitness so many choices, incredible choices. kettlebell coaches out there in the country, in the world. And, you know, we just we've we've been, we've dedicated years of experience working with kettlebells. We just want to just continue to have that impact on people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> has he said anything? This, has he said there was something at the beginning. There was something was said at the beginning. I'm listening. When are you, when are you going to come to a class, Tony? Yeah. Come on. Does he look like he needs anything? Yeah, yeah. Whenever. I, I went to Jared's time. class one time. It was nice. Oh, cool. Great. Oh, yeah. He's, pro- he's so Jared, Jared's Jared, great. Jared was talking about doing, uh, you know, Jared's favorite holiday is Halloween. Yeah. And no, shocker. it isn't. <laughs> yeah, right. Stop. <laughs> that, that's the class you came to, right? The I Halloween class. Yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Uh. 
Oh, I thought man. it was Valentine's Day. I don't so know. So he came and did that one, and it was tough. I yeah. mean, you know, I suck at the yoga park. It's so hard. Totally. Like, I don't think that there's Jared's any class sucking so at cool. yoga, though. It's like you just do, you just do the yeah. yoga. But I, but I, but I feel that way too. Sometimes I'm like, my downward dog sucks, but I still try to <laughs> yeah. do it. No, I know what you're saying, but that that goes with almost anything. Yeah. it's like just. But the try. more we do it, the better the you better get. You right? get. So that like, class yeah. is unique. That Zen kettlebell, I love it. I'm so glad we do it, and I'm so glad Jared does it. We've got you have to come to our uh, kin stretch kettlebell class. When do you have that? Oh, that's gonna be the so first we're Saturday boom first Saturday in March. Yeah, March 5th over at um, Apex. So the one coach like we were talking about partnering with the other coaches. Um, one of them teaches kin stretch, which is it's basically a mobility class. Um, that's the best. I won't go into it, but I think mobility. Um, so it's going to be half that, half kettlebell training, the same way that Jared's class is, where it's like split between the two. We're going to do that. But we're going to do. But it's just going to be like a pop up class of kin stretch, and then, and then 30, thirty minutes of kettlebell. Of kettlebell. It's yeah. a pop up class, so we're just trying to see if people are into mm-hmm. it or not. Um, but she's a badass coach. Um, yeah, very it's gonna detail be, oriented. It's gonna be fun. It's going to be fun. We're excited about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you guys online as far as like Instagram oh, and like yeah. YouTube totally. and stuff oh, like yeah. that? Oh, yeah. 901 Kettlebell Club. Okay. On Instagram. YouTube. I think we technically, we post the videos on my yeah. YouTube, um, which I guess is Fit Life Nick is my mm-hmm. email. But but yeah, we're, we're big on Instagram because mm-hmm. we try to post... Things like kettlebell challenges, kettlebell workouts, our class schedule, mm-hmm. and then just sharing the love. Like if other kettlebell organizations on Instagram post something we that we agree with or we like, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll repost it. Yeah, and we have some fun stuff coming up. We've also been talking to um, another kettlebell coach from – where is she from? She's Arizona. from Arizona. Oh, um, yeah. We're, we're going to do a friendly yeah, – we're going to do like a friendly challenge with – So she runs a kettlebell club out in Arizona. Where in Arizona is she? Is she Tempe? Uh, Phoenix. Phoenix. So right by Tempe. Um, yeah, she's from Phoenix. So we're going to – her kettlebell club and then our kettlebell club, we're going to do like a friendly um, like a friendly challenge. A competition. Like competition. A challenge. Competition. It's be a competition. Yes. Yeah, there's no friendly nothing. Yeah, yeah no. But y'all, be y'all, better, y'all better win. Yeah. Okay? Well, yeah. We're really just trying to like, you know, know just they're expand. Bad. So who, who's all going to be on the Memphis team? You, we don't y'all know yet. Two? We don't know yet. So we're still putting together the details. We're still fine-tuning because all the details. Because we don't want to force anyone to do it. We want people to self volunteer We know you're going to be competing. Yeah. Huh? We Seriously. already signed you up. You're competing. Tony, what? <laughs> You're the captain. Um, yeah. We, I, I still, we're still trying to figure out, like, you know, I've done a few kettlebell competitions in Chicago, and they're all different. But pretty much, in a nutshell, you're trying to hit heavyweights, like, for one rep maxes, like a heavy kettlebell press, a heavy goblet squat, mm-hmm. a heavy, um, sometimes you do pull-ups, which you can weight yourself with a kettlebell mm-hmm. or kettlebell yeah. deadlifts. So we're we're working on the details, but it'll be sometime this summer. It's going to be a virtual. Yeah, June or July. I want to call it a competition because I think as soon as you hear that word, it lights the fire under your ass. excited. But we'll remind them, like, listen, this is friendly. And you really should just compete with mm-hmm. yourself. Because like, it's cool to have something to train for. It's you cool know? to have something to train for. It keeps you coming. For. And then once we know what the events are, we'll be programming the classes to, you know, mm-hmm. help people prepare and get ready for those events. And then if there's more advanced stuff, well, that's what we're going to be running some more advanced seminars yeah. and everything like the next one that we have coming up. I know uh, like Nikki I'm, said, we're going to be working on snatches, which we really don't do those in class or Turkish um, get ups. that much or get ups. Yeah. 
So, which arguably, you know, when people are like, "Oh, what's the number?" Like the the desert island, which how is it, something an island and a desert at the same time confuses me. What if you but can only have two exercises? If you can all, no, one exercise. One exercise. I would say the kettlebell snatch, hands down. Really? Oh fuck yeah! Really, one yeah. exercise, kettlebell snatches. Okay, okay. One. I thought it was always two. I always looked at two. What would be your two? Get ups and swings. That's fair. Now, if you had to swings. choose one, get ups probably. Yeah, I just like I. I'm such a fast. I like to be fast. I like to be intense. I like to be explosive, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I prefer a snatch for that. There I think go. also full body strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We derailed that. When y'all derailing got, the total. <laughs> when y'all got certified, mm. um, what did y'all have to do to get certified on the test for the kettlebell certification? Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a press test, um, there's a squat test, cleans, um, snatches. Are you going to actually tell them what the test was? Yeah, I am, but I'm going over the techniques first. Okay, fine. Um, and Turkish get-ups. So you have a technique test for all of those. Um, for women, you have to use, um, a 35-pound bell, 16 kilos, or if you're under a certain weight, it's 12 kilos. (laughs) Okay, so... You cheated. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just no, kidding. you're right. You're right. And you're then right. you have um, a snatch right, test, right. which is 100 reps of snatches in five minutes using um, that weight. Okay. Oh yes. My God. And yes, yes and. and I'm just going to go into yes, a few and. more details. That is intense. But it's like so mm-hmm. with technique. So if you're under 135 pounds as a female, which I was at the time, you have to do five strict presses with a 12 kilo. Like especially strong first. These guys. They they kind of want everyone to look mm-hmm. the same. If you're over 135 pounds, it's with a 16 kilo. So 12 is 24 pounds? 26. 26. 26. 28 pounds. But then um, but the and cleans then the get interesting. Well, no, pounds. because the cleans, it's double cleans. Mm-hmm. So they want you using double 12s or double 16s. It used to five. be double presses. They changed it. Oh, interesting. When, and I then first double did, when I first did my strong first, it was with double presses. Damn. Yeah, because you did. Because yeah. I got my strong first in 2018. I was 2012. And you were 2012. Yeah. So over those six I, years, a lot changed. I did RKC in 2012. And then I recertified 2014 with strong yeah, first. I did HKC yeah. in 2016. But yeah. yeah. Um, and the, it's really the snatch test that gets a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think it's fun. I love it now. Yeah. I used to hate it. I tell people like I'd rather do five snatch tests yeah. in an hour than run a half a mm-hmm. marathon or anything like that. But a snatch test, like she was saying, you know, again, depending on your weight class and mm-hmm. what size you use, you have to do a hundred snatches in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And listen, for the girls, yeah, it's either twelve or sixteen kilos. For the guys, it's either twenty or twenty-four kilos. Or twenty-eight for the big dudes. Oh, is it? They, is it twenty four or twenty eight? Then, then no, maybe it's, it's not twenty, 20. or tw- the guys have three weight classes, I believe. Oh, okay. I think it's twenty, twenty four, and then I think twenty eight kilos, That's which is sixty two pounds, heavy. is over. I want to say two hundred and seventy pounds for a guy. I don't Probably. know. I'd have to look it, gets it up. Heavy, but it's a it's it's but, it's an endurance test. It's a mind mm-hmm. mental focus test. It's. It's mm-hmm. so much in there, but it's fun. Like it is fun. You really like can get into it. How yeah. long did you have to train for 
to get ready for this test? Because it just seems like you just it can't go was, take the test. You can't. I would say it's a three day conference. Like I should wow. say, like they they're teaching you all the yeah. movements. But what's so poorly scheduled, in my opinion, is that they test you at the end of the. They three test days. you at the end, so which they is good and which is you. Bad. If you don't like, I was a trainer before I did it, so I didn't train specifically for this. I already had that shit in my mm-hmm. wheelhouse because. I've been doing this. I've been doing this in my workouts. But for people that aren't trainers and like one of our clients that went last year, like that that's heavy. Like yeah. pressing a 16 kilo. It's a big commitment. And I think, already, I think people underestimate how difficult it is because you're totally. there again. You're doing your test at the end of the three days, which they're eight hour days. So you're training, you know. For eight hours a day. I mean, not, you know, consistently. You're not yeah. working out for eight hours, but you essentially have weights in your hand for that amount of time. And they um, challenge you to random group workouts yeah. throughout those eight hours. And, um, so you know, working at out a the lot. end of it on the third day is when you do the test and the snatch test is the last one. So people are always like, you know, there's just this buildup and it's like, oh, my gosh. Um, and a lot of people will pass all the tests and then they'll fail the snatch yeah. test. Yeah. So it can be discouraging, but then you mm-hmm. have technically three months from that date to re like film yourself and be like, see, I did yeah. get it. And so it's always, you know, you want to get it done the day of though. So you could like, Oh, so you can film yourself it. doing it at home. Mm-hmm. If you fail doing- it, they give you. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's an expensive but they can be course. Very, yeah. It's a thousand dollars to get certified and to attend this, not to mention if you have to hotel. travel and book mm-hmm. hotel mm-hmm. and food. like we did her and I both went to Chicago last April. Um, she was doing another the, certification through strong first. She did her weight. body weight certification and I did the barbell certification. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, you're traveling, you go for a weekend, you know, so there's hotel costs, flight costs, food costs. Like it's, you know, it's a commitment. A yeah. But that's why I think strong first has the reputation because they do mm-hmm. certifications all over the world. They're very popular in Italy and, and in Seoul mm-hmm. and in Brazil. Like they're very popular in these different pockets of the world. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a, Kind of like a, oh, you made it, you know, mm-hmm. like a reputation thing. Yeah. Like you're in the club once yeah. you're strong first certified. That's pretty legit. I don't think I it's could fun. ever pass the test. Um, you could if you trained you for, have to train it. for it. You're really good. You'd have to train this, for this, it. I can't. Yeah, behave. but oh, I, know yeah. You, I know you asked there about There you go. Time. There he is. <laughs> but I know you too? asked about time, yeah. you know, like how long does it take to prepare? I think it really depends on where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're brave, if, you know, because there, there's a difference between someone who's like, you know, trained and experienced versus like, you know, brand new. But I'd say typically, I mean, if you're like just brand new off the street, like looking to train for it, probably about a year, right? Like, what would you say? Six Something months like to that. a year. Six months to a year. Yeah. Depending where you're starting from. But again, mm-hmm. if you're a trainer and you already do this stuff on a regular basis and you are like, cause there are trainers that don't have great workout mm-hmm. routines, but if you have a, like a dialed in workout routine and you're a trainer and you're teaching your students, these skills, I don't, I don't know that you necessarily have to train yeah. for it. It, it yeah. really depends sure. where you're at. Everyone's, mm-hmm. everyone's at somewhere else. Yeah. You know? Jared told me it was tough. Yeah. He's like, man, it was hard. Mm hmm. The guys have to, you know, I heard a guy, uh, one of the assistant teachers when I went there in 2020 or 20, when did we go? Last year. 
And he's like, the 12 kilo for women, it's not hard. And I'm like, you know, like, that's from your perspective, dude. Like, yeah. have a little more compassion. Like, some of these women... Because 26 pounds is very different for, yeah. you and know, like, a 200-pound guy versus a 120-pound woman. Or even 110-pound. Like, like yeah. some of these women are really small and really short. And, and strong as they hell. Don't, but, but, but some of them don't lift a lot of heavy weight. Mm-hmm. So for them, 12 kilos might feel heavy. Mm-hmm. Like... Have some freaking compassion and perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But to be like, n- not to knock them too much, but one of the reasons I'm starting to stray away from Strong First is because they do want everyone to look the same. And I'm like, yo, we are all different body types. Like I'm 5'3 and 125 pounds now. But, you know, what if I was 5'8 and 150 pounds? You know, like everything would look differently. So why are we trying to make every single technique look the same? Like we all have different joints. We have different. Yeah. Different injuries, different yeah. histories. Mm-hmm. Is Strong First the, like the go-to authority on kettlebell it certification? Is, but it is. There's a few other organizations. Dragon Door is the other one. So dra- yeah, Dragon Door originally. So Strong First used to be. So Strong First and Dragon Door used to be one okay. um, organization, and then they split. And now Dragon Door runs RKC, which is the other most popular. Or HKC. Well, yeah, but it's still under, but it's still under RKC, yeah. 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 Um, Russian kettlebell certification. And then they split, and then there's also Strong First, and Pavel, who's the head of Strong First, Pavel used to Tatsumi. be the head of Dragon Door, but now he has Strong First. So they they split, they came to a head. So those are really the two big ones for the type of kettlebell training that we do. Speaking of Pavel, if you want to, like watch an interesting interview especially if you're interested in Mm. kettlebells and stuff look up the joe rogan pavel tatsulini interview that's a really good one i don't eat chicken it's a weak it's a weak bird a weak bird i eat chicken all the time i think he he made the chicken stock plummet after that interview (laughs) (laughs) all right so let's change gears uh you i see on your instagram that you're big into k-pop massive and can you just tell us what this is? Because after, or since you were coming on, I decided to look at it, look into look it. Look how happy she gets. Like, l- looking into this, I'm, yeah, I'm freaking amazed at this. Nikki, are you going to tell them what you're doing this weekend? <laughs> that's not, that's not for like two weeks. <laughs> oh, two weeks, I thought. Oh, it is two weeks. Yeah. It is two weeks, never mind. So wait, what's the question? Like, just tell us what K-pop is. Okay, so K-pop stands for Korean pop, and it is a massive industry at this point. I mean, K-pop has been going on. I, I, I actually don't know the first year, but it's been going on for decades, and it's it's so unique, right? Because you're like, okay, so Korean pop music, what, what's better about that than American pop music? What's the most fascinating part is that there's K-pop training academies. So these people, like, for instance, my favorite group right now, Twice, it's nine girls. Can you do that again? Twice. Twice. That's how they do it, too, in the videos I've seen. Their Twice. group called Twice. <laughs> they have all hand gestures. So... The, I have so many things to say. I'm trying She's to... She's so excited you asked her about this. Categorize. Yeah, I'm She's very so excited. excited. Take your time. Take your time. I, I, I don't even want to talk about kettlebells. I just want to talk about K-pop. <laughs> so what I find fascinating, I'll just talk about the training academy aspect. So there's nine girls that are in this group called Twice, like I said. And one of them, Gio, the leader of the group, she has been training since she was a child. 
to become a K-pop idol. She was 26 years old now when she debuted at 16, which is when Twice was formed, and that's when she made her debut. She had already been training for 10 years. So think of it that way. Like these Korean kids, I mean, some of them are Japanese, some of them are Chinese, some of them are from Taiwan, but a lot of South Korean kids are starting education, like a school system, a training academy, since they're like six years old. And what are they learning? They're learning how to sing like a K-pop star. They're learning how to dance like a K-pop star. And they're learning how to carry themselves as a celebrity, as a personality. Because K-pop has a lot of certain rules that other pop industries don't follow. Like, okay, so Gio finally debuted at 16 and now she, or, or sorry, she finally debuted, my bad, I'm getting my numbers wrong, at 20 and now it's been six years later. And how you hold yourself as a K-pop idol is completely different than American tabloid. So for instance, K-pop idols are not allowed to publicly date anyone. You are not available to anyone else but your fans. So if there were ever rumors going around, oh, Gio suddenly dating Jimin from BTS, shit would explode. That might even lead to the demise of Twice and BTS because dun, dun, dun. you're not allowed to publicly date Damn. anyone. So you're always available to your fans. So so the group is called Twice. Their fandom is called Once. So technically, I'm a Once. I'm a part of Once because I'm a fucking obsessed with these girls. So they're whatever they do is for Once in a way. Like if you watch their videos on YouTube or their V Lives or what they post on Instagram, What's a V Life always Once V Live is where it's a, a streaming platform where you can go online. Hey, leave her alone. You can go online and watch them. Like they like, well, they they'll they, they'll start a V live, yeah. and you'll start seeing hundreds of thousands of people are watching them live and commenting and messaging from yeah. all over the world. You got America, you got Indonesia, you got Korea, you got Japan. Like everyone's just tuning in. Like, oh my god, it's Nyon and Momo, Nyon and Momo. Oh my god, Nyon, say hi, say hi yeah. in English. So again, they just like have this massive. Everything. They're just a, like, it's just this kinship between the idols and their fans, but you don't want to take it too far. Like, there are some stalkers and there are some, like, there are some dark aspects of K pop where some people have been, like, threatened and, and suicide is a part because to be a K pop idol, there's a lot of pressure. Like, imagine being a 26 year old girl. You've been in this, you've been training to become a K pop idol for the past. I don't know, 20 years of your life and you're being told you can't date someone publicly. Imagine what that That's feels little, like. It sounds a little like, I don't, I don't know what word to use, but I don't it's, know what word to use better than like, it sounds a little culty in a way. Oh, for real though. And as big as like, twice is yeah. and BTS is. Yeah. I mean, I watched this YouTube video when I was talking to her the other day. I mean, these, this, these two bands, groups, groups sorry, groups. Yeah. They're each song has over a, some yeah. of them have like 900 million views on YouTube. Some of them have a couple billion yeah. views. Think of the money. And, you know, South Korea is interesting because, I mean, there's so much interesting about South Korea. For one thing, it's next to North Korea, mm -hmm. right? But in South Korea, for men, they technically go, they get drafted into military service at 28 years old. But... If you're like that's Jin, old. Jin Jin is the oldest member of BTS, and so when he turned 28, um, he was like they were going to draft him. But South Korea looks at this as, oh, if you're a K-pop idol, you're bringing good recognition to our nation. You're contributing to the overall betterment of our nation. So we're going to bypass and not force you to get into military because you're a K-pop idol. But 
I think it's fascinating because it's so different. There's already so much about Korean culture that's so different than American culture that it's already fascinating. But with this K-pop world, like the amount of money, the amount of views, the amount of publicity that goes into this perfect ideal image of K-pop idols and groups is just massive. Like we don't, we take so much for granted Mm -hmm. as American pop idols, you know, or just American consumers than what they go through as, as these Korean folks. And I'm also like, it's one thing to listen to their songs and I don't understand what they're saying. I don't speak Korean. It's one thing to understand, to listen to their songs, but it, but where they really get you is their live performances and their dance performances. Like you watch these kids, they're fucking Michael Jackson dancers. Like they are so dialed in. Yeah. They're dance I've, yeah, I've crews. seen some of them. She showed me a bunch of I them. Could show, I could show you some videos of Twice performing that you're like, how do they have what? that in sync and the positions that they're in? So that's what really got me obsessed, just watching them dance. I love a good dance performance. Mm -hmm. I love a good dance crew. And BTS and Twice Do It Well. And this is where I take issue with Blackpink because everyone's obsessed with Blackpink. They're They're hot. they're hot. Oh, they're another band. No idea. They're another group. Oh, 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 no. talk about hotness. I'm sorry. Sorry. Twice is where it's at, dog. Twice. Twice is where it's Twice. at. Listen, Blackpink, I will give them points because they speak a lot more English. They do. Rosie is fucking- Twice has a few English songs, right? Australia. Okay, great. So she can speak English. Yeah, now they do. Right, yeah. But they don't really- they, None of the members can speak fluent English. What was the one that we heard in Buff City Soaps that one that time? That was I Can't Stop Me. <laughs> but Blackpink- doesn't dance very well like i'm sorry like quote me i will take it to the grave i think blackpink is popular because it's four girls which that's already more appealing to americans than the idea of a nine girl group member Mm -hmm. there's nine what do you mean that's how do you even tell them apart you know like they get so overwhelmed by that but blackpink they don't dance that well they're not as good of a dance crew as twice's or as bts is like i think bts deserves all the recognition and popularity they're they're getting right now right Great. Yeah, I think <sighs> so. I don't follow BTS as much. I'm I only have eyes for Twice right now, oh. but I do know a lot of K-pop groups and idols and and what's I got my fingers on the pulse of the K-pop industry. There's a whole lingo like you could create your own K-pop dictionary. There's so much about their hand gestures. There's so much about like the clothing that they wear and how they style their hair. Like like everything is meticulous and detailed. It's just so fascinating when you really get into it i didn't know that psy was a k-pop guy yeah Gangnam until I, style. Until I saw, saw that video i, I heard told he's you about. a huge asshole dude like he has three out of like they so i watched the video i watched was the top 10 songs from 2011 yeah. to 2020 yeah. yeah and yeah. he had like six or seven on that like from those 10 years. Can you imagine how much money he's made? So we call that a crossover song in the industry. A crossover. <laughs> Tell us about that. A crossover is when, especially a, a song that's all in Korean, crosses over to the mainstream of America. Because let's be honest, America is still one of the, the most powerful country in the world, right? Especially our entertainment industry. Like you cannot battle Hollywood. Like when it comes to movies and TV shows, you like try to one up us. You can't. So, so when a, when a song is a crossover, it's crossed over to the mainstream and BTS is, has broken more records than any K-pop group has in the history of K-pop. And even in the history of some American pop Mm. in terms of their views, like you were saying. So 
so yeah, Psy, when he did Gangnam Style, like that, everyone remembers that song when it came Gangnam Style. Yeah, and it had a whole dance to it and whatnot. So like that was, I think, for a lot of Americans, their first taste of K-pop, whether they realized it or not. Mm. I had no idea it was K-pop until I saw it. I never it. even knew what K-pop was until you. I remember you, you asking me. How like, did you get K-pop? into K-pop? In April of 2019, I was in Switzerland, and I kept hearing rumblings of the group BTS, and I saw that they did a performance on SNL. And I was like, okay, I love to watch the performances of SNL. I don't love to always watch the full episodes. And I was like, let me see what these seven little boys got going on. And and to this day, it's still my one of my favorite live performances. The way they do Boy With Love, these seven members, they're cute. They've all got their different hairstyles. One of them is really effeminate looking. The other one's like this hardcore rapper. But holy shit, these boys can dance. Oh, my God. And I just have watched that video. I, I probably contributed to those million views, you know? <laughs> and I just got hooked. And then I just started consuming and listening to everything bts was putting out i was looking up their live performances their dance choreo videos their mvs and whatnot and it just snowballed from there so for the longest time i was like only had eyes for bts i wasn't even into k-pop i was just into bts and then last year 20 the summer of 2021 is when i started getting into twice because i wasn't even into girl groups at first i was like look at these boys they're so cute i love their clothing oh my god they're so interesting and then I got into Twice. I don't even know how that happened. And Twice is also interesting because they're multicultural. Like it's nine girls, but three of them are from Japan and one of them is from Taiwan. So I find that very interesting that they have such a multicultural group. But yeah, I mean, it's the dance performances that hooked me. Is your wife into K-pop too? Now she is. <laughs> Does she have a choice? It's been forced on her. She actually kind of like I'm I curious control. what Carly would she's, say to that. She's probably watching it right now at home, I but she's not there. Her. I, I I control the music a lot in the house. I don't know why, but like I'm someone who always needs something playing in the background. So I'll, I'll listen to a lot of different type of music, but or I'll have NPR. I just need something. And yeah. she doesn't. And when I even let her choose the music, she'll choose like fucking Indigo Girls or or Ani DeFranco and like true lesbian shit. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, look, I saw Ani. I saw Indigo Girls. Oh. I can get down with like both hands and whatnot. But like, oh, fuck me with these guitarists, singer songwriters. I don't always love a guitar singer songwriter. And so lately in the house it's only twice it's like only twice it's the same fucking songs over and over again and we don't even we can't say the lyrics where we're just like na 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 yes or yes like okay the one english words are either one of these bands or groups coming to america anytime soon yes yes twice is coming this month, I have tickets to see them in Atlanta on, on February 24th. I'm crawling out of my skin. I'm so excited. And yeah, they're coming. They're doing their tour. They're starting in California and going all the way to New York. Um, yeah, they're going to be here for like I'll be covering weeks. class that weekend. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know because, because it's on a Thursday. So I'm going Wednesday and we're coming back Friday. So I might be able to class depends the state of my emotions it's just crazy like i tend to have an obsessive personality like i i've known this about myself since a young age like when bring it on came out i watched that movie multiple times a week like i just like i can be one of those people that like i'd rather repeat something than expand into new things like i've seen the show curb your enthusiasm multiple times like i don't always love to watch it i 
fucking love Larry David. I don't always love to like watch the latest, latest shows. I, I, I'd rather repeat comfort things for me. So it's not surprising for my type of personality that I got so obsessed with K-pop, but I'm just so interested now in the expansive world of it. But yeah, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out about seeing my girls. That's really exciting. I thought you were going to say like in 2024 they're coming. Yeah, right. Like, like, like two weeks from How now. How ironic is She's that? Like I got like, tickets already. I got into them last year. They've been a. They've been. They're they're on their seventh year of performing, and I only got into them last year. And when they announced that they were touring, I was like, "Holy shit! This isn't like next year. This is like this month." So yeah. I'm I'm crawling out of my skin. All right, so we usually end the podcast. What is she obsessed over? Yeah, what are you obsessed with? I'm not as interesting as Nikki. I don't have obsessions. What do you like? What do I obsess over? Um, I know you like beer. You said beer earlier. I do like beer. I do like bourbon. I do like. um, I like cooking. Yeah, you do like to cook a lot. I'm boring compared to you. I don't have anything like that. You're a very eclectic chef. I am a little bit. Tell them about your favorite way to cook a steak. Oh. Because she can get deep (laughs) on your steak. I'll I'll tell you how to cook a steak because I do take my steak cooking very seriously. So you take your cut of steak. But what kind of cut? Like, what are you getting? I've been into sirloin lately. It used to be ribeye. I used to like ribeye. I'm not that into it anymore. I I gravitated into sirloin. So you let the steak come down to room temperature. Everybody's listening so closely. I'm I'm into it. I'm into it. Season it. Salt and pepper both sides generously. Then you take your cast iron skillet. All right, get the skillet screaming, screaming hot. All right, teeny tiny bit of oil, maybe, depending on the fattiness of the cut, right? And then put it on this, put it on the sear, let it go. I do about a minute on each side, an alternate oh, flip it every only minute. Only a minute? A minute on oh, each you side, but I, keep, but I keep flipping it. And then you want to make sure that you I've never heard that. kind of stir the steak around the cast iron because the heat usually isn't evenly distributed. So I'll keep going, you know, like that. Usually, you know, seven to nine minutes, depending on how thick the steak is. Total or each side? Total. Okay. Total. And then the last two and a half Hmm. minutes that it's cooking, crush up some garlic, throw that in there with a big pat of butter, and then whatever fresh herbs you have. Base it in that for that last, you know, two, two and a half minutes. Take it out. Let it sit for 10. Boom. Do you cover it while it's sitting or do you just let it sit? Just let it sit. Yeah. Don't you cook your steak kind of like this? Sometimes. Medium mm. rare? Medium rare. Yeah. Medium rare. Yeah. Did you ever get into sous vide? I have never personally sous vide a steak, but I have had sous vide steak. Did you like yeah. it? Yeah. I do. I do. Um I like sous vide eggs and fish. Yeah. I've had it sous vide, you know, and it's I never know how I really feel about sous vide because you hear like I've heard, you know, different things that like letting it sit in the plastic for that long and the heat isn't that great. Mm-hmm. But who who the hell really knows? I feel like, you know. Everything gives us cancer these days anyway. <laughs> I know. You know. If I hear that one like, more time, I'm like, yeah. Where do you but get your steak from? Around here, I haven't found a butcher shop that I love yet, so I usually do Fresh Market. Fresh Market or Whole Foods? Your, what's that place your friend owns uh, or works at? Do you ever go to – have you ever heard of Charlie's Meat Market on Summer? That's yes. the one I've heard of the most. Yes. So they got pretty good cuts of steak. Have you been there? Or me, I, I should say. Try it out. I haven't. Uh, it's it's a Los Camoles in the parking lot mm-hmm. of their little thing in the little mm. strip mall, and I mean a lot a lot of people go there. Yeah, I've heard the that's the only one I've heard of, frankly. No, I haven't been there. Yeah, Fresh Market and Whole Foods is usually my go-to. I'll try that though. I like Fresh Market. Yeah, Whole Foods is too far. It's like I a, usually it's do. Like I a do straight steak. up 
real butcher, you know, to go. Yeah. And that's, I, I did, I dig that. I dig that. Yeah. Cause I usually do. I just like, I crave red meat. I eat it like twice. I eat it twice a week. Usually they, um, twice, twice. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they provide meats for like a lot of high end restaurants in town mm-hmm. and just like also like UEs and stuff like that. Interesting. Like, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. My father-in-law has bought steak from them and brought it. And he's always talking about Charlie's because yeah. I haven't I was going to say, like, I haven't heard of any other mm-hmm. butcher shop. You should check mm-hmm. them out. I'll check them out. There was I'll one. On, there was one on Southern. Maybe tonight. But it uh, it it closed a long time ago. OK. Weird. You think yeah. it'd be popular here. But <laughs> I wonder if also people just prefer to go out to eat here. Like it's a big yeah. going out to eat. It's so funny. I had one of my clients. They always are trying new restaurants or going somewhere and I was like, so I guess you would say that Memphis is a big food place, right? And they're like, no, this isn't a food yeah. city. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> you don't think so? Yeah. I yeah. was like, I think it is. <laughs> like, you know, I think I love the barbecue here, but also there's great Italian food. There's great. I've had great Indian food. There's great American grill type mm-hmm. food. I haven't had a lot of great sushi. That's my biggest gripe. I'm going to try a lot sushi Jimmy Asian this food. week. I had clients order sushi, Jimmy, I've and they heard said of it was it. fantastic. So I've I'll get back to you it. on that. Mm-hmm. That's my only gripe. Mm-hmm. Where do you go for sushi? I've only been to like Takashi Bistro. Where is that? I don't know. It's it's um no, I it's on Union. It's it's in a little uh, near the Baskin Robbins, and it used to be something. It was Payway. Payway. Right there, uh, anyway. uh, by uh, Sakasui Midtown, yeah, in the little shopping center. That's yeah. fun to say. Osaka is good. Sakura is good. Haven't um, been to Sakura. I've been to Osaka. Actually, uh, I don't know if I had their sushi. To be fair, only their hibachi. Yeah, Sakura is really good, though. Okay, Sakura. Oh, buddy, he just travels around all the time, so I can't even tell you a place where he particularly works at yeah. because it would probably change by the time you went. But he's a really good sushi chef here in town. His name mm. is Men. And see, that's like, you know, yeah, we're talking about K-pop, but I've always just been interested in Asian culture and foods in general. And that goes from like Thai food to Japanese food to Korean food. And I was like, where is that in Memphis? You know, like there isn't a lot of Vietnamese food here. You know, there's not a lot of Korean food here. There's a restaurant called, um, there's a restaurant called Lotus. Okay. On summer somewhere. Okay. I think it's still open. It may have closed, yeah. but apparently it's a really, really good Vietnamese food. Hmm. And then Fo Saigon on Poplar. Yeah. A, a, a Enterprise Car Rental, Poplar and Tillman. That's another one I've, I've had that one. That one, one is fine. I've had that Interesting. one. Interesting. What's that place in Cordova? I need a Thai, uh, Emerald, Emerald Garden. Oh, oh 64? Food. And yeah. that's my yeah, bad. Emerald Garden. I stick yeah, mostly yeah. to Midtown and and... Well, it's kind of like downtown people don't want to leave downtown to go right, do anything. Right. Midtowners don't want to leave midtown to go anywhere. I branch out. Yeah. I'm an implant. <laughs> do you mean a transplant? Transplant. Mm-hmm. Transplant. Implant, transplant. Same, <laughs> Same thing. thing. Who cares? <laughs> All right. So, Nikki, what is your advice for people? It's going to be j- whatever. Watch more K-pop. All no. right, all right. I want to be better. I want to be, no, be better. Because, like, you, you got to watch their dances. You've um, shown me. They're, they're cute. Listen, 
The reason twice is called twice <laughs> is because you enjoy them two ways. Once through oh. the ears and then through the eyes. Oh. That's why they're called twice. Oh. So that's why you can't just listen to them and oh. fucking watch them. They're so adorable. Um, what's my advice for life? <laughs> yeah, whatever you want to be. I'm a big, big fan of trying to keep as open of a mind as you can. I think so much of arguing and fighting and, dare I say, wars comes down to people so severely stuck in their own perspective and their own life that they can't imagine that other people live life differently than them. Like most of my fights with my own family, most of my fights with my clients or my friends is that they, it's like they have this hard, stubborn belief that how could you think differently than me, let alone live differently than me? Like it's my way or the highway or no, that's not true. And so that's where I have the biggest problem with everything, everything. Like there is not one way to do something. There is not one way to love someone. There is not one way to think politically or socially. Like I think that's where we keep coming back to is just boxing ourselves. And then it's the people that want to be aggressive about judging other people's way of life or perspective, you know, like, like it's one thing if like, like take K-pop, for example, it's one thing if you don't understand, like if you're not into K-pop, but don't judge me for loving K-pop. Like maybe I can just love it because it makes me happy. Like that's okay. Like I don't love Italian food because I don't eat cheese. And as soon as people hear I don't eat cheese, they're like, "What the fuck? What is wrong you don't with eat you?" Cheese? No, and but I'm really, like, yeah, what's no, wrong with no, you? Like, maybe I don't. Like, yeah, maybe, fuck off. Maybe, like, maybe for real. What but the fuck like, wrong there's with something you? wrong with. Like, her. maybe I just like don't digest it well. And now I, I really just like don't eat cheese. You know. Yeah. So it's just so funny how some people are like. But that that's their perspective. Mm-hmm. What's wrong mm-hmm. with you? Mm-hmm. Why don't you live like I do? Why don't you think like mm-hmm. I do? So honestly, just like try to have a more open mind. Like as you live your short life, everyone's like life is short. Life is short, but life is also very long. So like just try to be more compassionate to other perspectives mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. That's me, baby. That's good, honey. Twice. That's good. <laughs> what is your... Way simple. I was trying. I was trying to think with that question, but mine's way simpler than that. Honestly, I think my biggest thing and something like I wish that I could have told myself ten years ago: don't take shit so seriously. That's mm. like that's and and you know it's they can as go simple. Hand in it's hand. as simple and as like you know deep as that. They can go hand in hand. You know, not everything has to be so serious. Just relax and you know things work out. Things work out. Yeah. True. Tony, do you have any advice? Because I don't. Don't you have any advice? I, why you sound so down? Because like, he's such an I can't guy. That's why we got to expand his mind. How can you fix his mentality? It would take practice. It's outside of our scope of practice. <laughs> <laughs> it's very frustrating. But I think like, like even with fitness, see, now he's going to yeah. leave. Even with fitness, like I would I challenge my him bladder. to make him. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I would challenge him to like, you know, like if he feels like he can't do an exercise, you know what I mean? I'd be like, let's try that. Let's see you do it. Yeah. It's hard. I think it takes a lot more practice and a lot of therapy and shit that's out of our scope of practice. And above my pay grade, too, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I told him earlier, I think that he was coddled and babied so much that that's why he doesn't feel like he can do stuff on his own. It's possible. I've dated Ben like that. Yeah. 
I, I, my brother and I are so different from each other. And every time we have our fights or disagreements or talk about like closed mindedness, Mm -hmm. um, I, I always look at Carly, my wife, and I'm like, how how were we raised in the same household, mm. you know, because you you sometimes see that siblings get so close because they have the same parents. They grew up in the same atmosphere. They have some shared trauma, maybe or shared celebrations. But my brother and I are two people that are so different from each other. And even with like what we feel like we can do and can't do in our lives. And I'm like, where did you get well, that? But from? I think that that also goes into like a much you know, you can branch off on that and go into the whole nature versus nurture thing, too. And sure. it's because there's so much more involved in like just unique experiences and things that shape a person and their mentality. Like I have some clients that are just so obsessive and anxious. And, you know, it's there's there's a lot that goes into yeah. it. Yeah. Outside of our scope. I'm just going to start saying You're that's above cause, my they pay said, ground. Well. <laughs> What's that? That's above my pay grade. Yeah, it's above my pay grade. What I miss? Uh, they can't help you. Oh. We can't help you. But we you. can refer out. We can refer out. Oh, thank, that makes me feel so good. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you suck. Sorry. Uh, uh, you're stressing me out. Here, here's a card for someone that can help you. Thanks. I just think you should just try before you say you can't do something. Because like that's what he does all the time. He's like, I can't do this. And it's like you haven't even made an attempt to try it. Yeah. What's an example of something he'll like just say I can't do? Oh, whoa, whoa, this podcast is not about me. It's about y'all. Turn in the table. Yeah, I mean, there's so uh, many examples, but uh, a most recent one, he was supposed to get a billboard set up for the podcast. Mm-hmm. That was his goal that he was going to do, you know. And then he's back there, and he's like, "I can't figure it out," so he just gives up. I haven't figured. I haven't Come given up. On. They even they even have a service where they can you could pay for them to yeah. do it for you. Yeah. And he didn't even think of that as an option. I was Interesting. trying. To, I was trying to figure it out. See, that would be my option. I'd be like, I don't want to do this. Let me pay someone to do this. Yeah. That's something that I've started Maybe. doing in like my older age. Is things that I just don't want to do, even if I could do it. I'd rather just pay somebody. Do you know how many times, because I have a gym in my backyard, do you know how many clients get on my ass about my lawn care? And they're like, why don't you just, what you should really do is like remove these bushes here, clean up these leaves. Why don't you do this? And, and I don't, I could, I don't say I can't do that. I say, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I would rather pay Brett $40 to come mow my fucking lawn. Yeah. What do I give yeah. a shit? Yeah. I have other shit going on in my life. I've never mowed a lawn in my life. That's probably why I do more workouts than you, yep. because I'm working out while you're mowing the grass. Yep. Like, shoot, like, <laughs> pay someone to fucking, mow. like, I can't, like, I can't uh. with that energy. Don't tell me what I need to be doing in my life if I don't want to in that regard. Yeah. Again, with people, yeah. like, assuming their way is how they live. Mm-hmm. What is your advice? Would you come for anything? I don't have. Anything. I have a clip I can play. Is it the one you shared today? The Cobra Tate one. Yeah. No. What, what was that one about? <laughs> play that one, and we can talk about it. Uh, Unless y'all y'all have to go. Or... I have to pee. <laughs> can I do that? Yeah. I have like I've gone to use the restroom twice. <laughs> like twice. Two thirty around there. Yeah. Two seventeen. Two seventeen. Yeah. You I have till about like two thirty. Okay. Or cool. So. Cool. Yeah. yeah. The, but the one you played today was pretty good. Did y'all watch the Tender Swindler? Yes. What do you think about that? Oh my god! Whew. And so, do you believe that woman did not have sex with him? The one, the blonde head one, the, the second, second one, uh, Cecile. 
Was that her no, name? No, no, or no. the other? Oh, the one who was just his friend. Petra yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah come yeah, on. She right, definitely yeah, right. full of shit. Here's a couple here's, hundred thousand. Okay, so the thing that I took from that that I'm still stuck on is just gray areas of the law, right? Mm. Because yeah. here's the thing. These women willingly gave him that money. Yeah. So you can't prosecute for that. And then the issue, of course, you know, he deceived them, you mm. know, cons, all of that. But people fucking lie on those apps all the time. Yeah. Oh, I'm six feet tall. Uh, no, you're not. You're shorter than I am. <laughs> like, it's... So, you know, okay, lying about being a billionaire, yeah, that's one thing. And then, like, oh, I'm getting you this private jet. But, like, it's just Jesus Christ. But what can you prosecute him for? Yeah. Like, where – I find I find those gray areas in the law so, so, so interesting. Like, if you want to watch – if you want to watch some messed up stuff, um, I don't know if you're into that. There is – oh, God, what's the name of it? It's about this NYPD cop – Um, mm, it's about the NYPD cop. He was into the fetish of – um. Eating like cannibalism, oh, cannibal wow. cop, cannibal cop. Really? Yes, it's absolutely fascinating. It's on Netflix. It's on. I don't think it's on Netflix, but if you look up cannibal cop, you'll find oh, okay. it. It's on. It's on one of them. But it's about this NYPD cop who was into his whole thing was that he was into cannibalism, and he would go on these like you know fetish sites, and um, you know, and he would just he would basically like fantasize in these chat rooms about like things that he wanted to do to women, but like he never actually did anything, but he would reference women that he actually knew, mm. one of them being his wife. But he would talk about like details of like cooking them in a rotisserie in his basement and like all of this stuff. Well, anyways, his wife finds all of this, but the whole thing is is that he didn't actually do it commit a crime, right? And it goes into the whole argument of like, well, how do you separate this from like Stephen King yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's really so I don't know. It just kind of got me thinking like with the Tinder sweat, like just, you know, again, like those gray areas of the law where it's like. I think that kind of happened with that actor, Ari Hammer, the guy that the, the twin, he played the twins in the social network. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently he was like talking to women online about eating them and stuff mm-hmm. like that. He didn't mm-hmm. actually do it. But, you know, there was a kind of like it was right. fantasy. Yes. I mean, yes. dude, he looks like he's going to eat you. Yes. Jesus. <laughs> and then the thing is, at the very end, you realize he's dating another woman. And I'm like, <sighs> wow. He only ended up spending like a couple of months in jail. It's, um, who are you talking about? Whew, the cannibal cop. Who's the cannibal cop? Oh my God, it's a fascinating documentary. I'm you so have into to watch this. it. Oh, you have to he's watch it. He's a cop. It. That's a cannibal. He was an NYPD cop. He's not a cop anymore. Oh my God. I yeah. want to know. Um, oh, I'm into this. Watch it. So it's all about cannibalism. You know, fascinates me. And he was in. He was taking part in these fetish, these fetish sites, these fetish chat rooms, going into detail about like how he was going to kidnap and like cut and like cook these women and like getting off on like the amount of pain that they would have and all of this stuff. And he, you Is know, this he a ta- show. It, it, no, it's a documentary, just one one episode. Um, but he would reference like having like a rotisserie in his basement, and um, well, don't spoil it. The, no, oh I'm not spoiling anything. But um, the whole thing was, you know, he never actually acted on all of it. Um, so well, the whole conversation, <laughs> like, you, but you know that I'm not going to spoil. No, it. but you know that <laughs> they make it obvious. But. The question is, what's it's called the cannibal difference? But what's <laughs> but fantasy, right? Like, is fantasy a crime? It's you know that. No, I don't think so. It's yeah. What did you think about Tinder Swindler, Nikki? Oh, because you know I watched it. Um, I'm fascinated by con artists 
I, I think it's like, let's talk about it. Like Elizabeth Holmes fascinates me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fascinated by con artists that aren't harming people. Like as soon as abuse or especially sexual abuse or rape is involved, mm-mm, yeah. mm-mm, I ain't here for that. Mm-hmm. But he's fascinating because... In a way, it should have seemed so obvious what he was doing. Like, how are you flying to all these different countries and, like, you're only here now? Like, what's going on? But the reason we were so upset about it, especially Carly, is, like, you know, you just take some average Joe person and completely bankrupt them and ruin their credit and their reputation and their family relationships. Like, that's where I have an an issue. Um, I'm never, like... When when my biggest and I don't know what I missed, but when people are like, oh, but those gr- women are so stupid, are they? I don't know that that's fair to say. Yes, but the thing is, it's because like... maybe they just wanted to believe in love. Have you ever just wanted to believe in love and that someone so hot and rich and powerful? Of course, but nine different you. creditors and two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And when in do you debt? exactly? When like, you draw the line? When you draw the line? I, mean, I totally get. I point, totally yeah, get I helping somebody out. And like, honestly, if I was in that situation and he was like, "I need your credit card," you know, for this thing, <laughs> my enemy's after me. Uh, yeah, but the <laughs> fact that would like, I help him out? Yeah, he but was giving it was like, them oh, checks. I need ten thousand dollars today. And some of the checks you... were ba- were were clearing. No, right? none of them cleared. None of them cleared. None of them cleared. The money he gave, the yeah. Simon gave the girls back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They didn't clear. Mm-hmm. He gave the one a watch and the watch was fake. fake. Well, yeah. But, um, yeah, and that's I, the difference. At first, like, I did at first, say. I would say, yeah, it's not your fault. But I agree. Like, um, and also just like, what lengths will you go? Like, even with my own wife, like, I'd be like, mm, I can't yeah. give you all this money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, don't I, w- I would 100% help out. Like, if it was somebody that I'm super into and, like, you know, all of that, you know, even, you know, new new stuff, yeah, I'll help you out. But, like, if you're having me go and take it again, hell no. One time, fine. But, like, he had a good cover story, though, because he was able to post all these pictures and live this life. Like, you really do think, well, he like, okay, money I, I can give you $100,000 because you're good for it. Yeah. So it's tough. I mean, like. I don't, but you know, when people are like, these women are stupid, it's like, you don't think he would do that to you? Like, do you really think mm-hmm. that you, you are above that? Like, you think that you wouldn't fall for the same shit? Well, and imagine being blinded by love. What will people do to get like what they want? Because right, like these women wanted to be married and like have kids and all. He's like, oh, I'll give you babies and like all of this stuff. But oh, I have a security. Like there's somebody after me. Like, right. <sighs> Ralph thought the women were stupid. Oh. Until I watch, until I watch the sh- movie, I, I mean, fetched, okay. I don't want to say that there's. I, because I can't because it, I, when but, he uh, when he sent me the thing, you do stupid things for and love. And he, he was yeah. like, he was like, I was like, okay, do you, how dumb are these women? And he was like, just just watch it and then tell me what you think. I was like, mm-hmm. all right, I was like, okay, because mm-hmm. I can see because he plays on their emotion. He f- makes them fall in love with it's him. A manipulator. Right? He's yeah. a complete so, like yeah con artist. Uh huh. Yeah, so like once you tug it on the heartstrings, it's over with. Well, right? and also remember he was investing. He was this was his full time job. So you think he probably had hundreds of conversations going on, yeah. and then there were a few that like proved promising. And that was the one that he invested the private jet in. And I was most confused because he said that he was the son of this diamond dealer. Mm-hmm. How did he fake all that? It was a fake name. He just faked was it. Was it a fake name? He had like they 10. Googled him. He had like 10 different names. What? That's what I'm saying. So like the family yeah. was real. Is the son's name that? So he made a picture of, he added himself mm-hmm. in that picture with yes, the I man. Yes, I saw that. And, so 
when you when he'd send that, and then when you type in his name and his last, his you know the his first because he legally changed yeah. his name. Yeah, right. so like when you type when you Google his name to the it, it would pull up the the diamond people. Yeah, so that's that's how. But yeah. weren't there articles about him like as the son? You know I think what I'm there saying? Were, yeah, I like, think there did was he? I don't know. Write those articles? Did he fake those articles? I, I don't know. Yeah. You gonna play this clip? But he had like nine different. Yeah. He had like nine different names and identities that he was going under, and it was like, geez, it's just God. I think I think this kind of applies to what you guys did last year when I'm about to play, or not last year when you moved here. Cowards always think they're smart. If you go out there and you take a risk and it doesn't pay off, cowards are always smart, aren't they? Well, I didn't take that risk, so ha ha. I sat on my couch like a jackass. I made tweets. Ha ha, that's my, that's my resistance. You're nothing. You're a coward. And a coward will always laugh at somebody who takes the risk. I don't think you should laugh at somebody who had more balls than you did. I don't think you should laugh at somebody who's on your side overall. You shouldn't laugh at someone who went to war for you because you were afraid to get up and go to war. There will always be a people afraid to take a risk or Mm -hmm. a chance or a gamble. And for me, this comes so deeply back to entrepreneurship. Like I didn't start calling myself an entrepreneur until 2018 because that's the first time I wrote an email to start sending to a community that subscribed to my emails. They wanted to hear my voice. Great, I'm creating a brand. I'm creating a business. I'm creating a community. I'm creating my way of thinking among these people. And when you're an entrepreneur, all you do is take risks, especially in the beginning. And yeah, like it is funny how some of these cowardly people will be like, oh, but, you know, you took that risk and the business failed. It's like, at least I did something. Mm -hmm. What did you do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that just goes back to like how people become successful, right? Like because people who you look at as successful, they weren't successful the first time that they tried something. Not often. Yeah. I think that's the problem with like. Excuse me. Well, like Instagram, because it shows the highlights. Mm-hmm. So everybody thinks, oh, that sure. person didn't do the work to get where they're totally. at today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those people that say, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is what I wanted to play. Then I'll let uh... you guys leave. Gratitude will make you happy every day and make your business better. You know why? Because as we sit here right this second, there are 850 million people on earth who don't have access to fresh water, who literally woke up this morning and walked seven miles one way and then back to create some level of fresh fucking water for their family when that shit was literally accessible to you in the sink in your bathroom. And we're complaining about some dumb shit. A lot of what I've been thinking about is mindset and why the optimism works. This is a mindset game. You wanna find things that are bad? Good news, you can go on the internet and take all your time with it. Just turn on cable TV and the news, they sell you negativity 24 seven. You wanna find positivity? You wanna be happy? It's unlimited. You choose what life is. This shit is simple. Do the right things, the right things will happen. I love that. So that's Gar- Gary V. Gary V. Yeah. Gary, v. Yeah. Gary Vander, you know. Vanderchuk. Vanderchuk. So, yeah, I like him a lot. He's He can get a little aggro with his with his mindset, but it, it works. Like, I've read some of his books. I've... I've I even followed his wine text. Did mm-hmm. you guys get into wine text? That was fucking brilliant. Um, I like his personality a lot. I think he's like, again, if you're starting as an entrepreneur, you need to get into some Gary V in that. Um, but I think it is funny. Like when my clients tell me things like, oh, I can't drink water. I'm like, oh, 
Right, because we live in America where clean water is coming out of your, your taps. That's what I mm-hmm. thought yeah. of when you said mm-hmm. something about water. And, and it's so hard for you to do this <laughs> underneath your tap and drink from it. But look at all these other fucking countries. And that even, don't have even, that. even Flint, yeah. Michigan, where their water is poison. Yeah. But, oh, you're, it's so hard for you to drink water. Like, I get a little, uh, I got to be careful because... I think it is such a privilege to be able to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And and yet we take it for granted in a country like America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of us are entitled. And I think you experience, since I've, I've been blessed to be able to go like other places in the world. And one of the places I went was I went to Africa. It wasn't what well, last year, it was a year before I went 2020. But then, like, just seeing people, how they're living, seeing people, like, digging for trash with, for food. Yeah. And like you said about the water thing, you, you know, you couldn't just brush your teeth. Like, like I got kind of sick from, you know, using the water there. Yeah. What part of Africa? I went to Tanzania. Oh. And so it's just, um, it is true. Like, we just take shit for granted. It takes so much for granted. We do. Or even food delivery. Like, yeah, the, like everything's yeah. easy. Like, you can sit on your ass, not move your couch, not move from your couch and have, like, a five-course meal delivered yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, you don't have anything now. That's, that's it. That's right. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thank you guys it. so much for coming Thank on. Thank you for having yeah, us. This was we'll, a blast. Well, other guys, you guys fun. come back on again. We yeah. can talk about more stuff. Totally. I think you guys should start your own podcast. I think we should. We've talked about it. We've talked I about think we it. We should. Have you thought about like, any kind of name or anything? Not at all. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not at all. But I do you I, have I, ideas. I feel like you have ideas. I can come by think of some stuff. <laughs> But I really do also like the idea of like, you know, even 20 to 30 minute segments. Yeah, like short little. And I think that I think what's successful about podcasts that make people get into them is like covering some controversial topics mm-hmm. and saying some outlandish shit. Yeah. Because I'd love to talk about all the pros and cons of CrossFit because I have a lot of opinions. Having yeah. never taken a CrossFit class, I have a lot of opinions mm-hmm. that are pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Like, I will celebrate you, but I also, like, warn you of why I wouldn't recommend CrossFit mm-hmm. to some people. So I, I'm curious to get into that. Like, that's not just kettlebells and not yeah. just, like, yeah. what we do all the time. Real stuff. Yeah. And then even talking about, like, you know, what is the number one excuse you get from clients mm-hmm. or why is K-pop so important to revolutionizing <laughs> our perspectives? Like, let's like, let's go. My, I'm working on a brand. I don't know if it'll ever come to fruition, but I think kettlebells and K-pop have a really good ring That's, to them. Okay. Kettlebells, okay. ampersand, K-pop. Just saying. Okay. Uh, Just saying. Well, you know the name of your podcast. Yeah, right. I, I did not approve. That, that would be my. That would be my podcast. That could That's be for yours. sure. That's for sure. You could you could be featured every uh, once in a while, but it is a lot of work to because you have like 150 episodes out. Well, uh, your, y'all's episode is it a lot of work. Y'all's episode is going to be number uh, 143. That's awesome. That's I think it's incredible. 142. Is it 142? Yeah, I think 141. And you started was in 2019. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, December. 2019 or something yeah december 2019 we recorded our first one and we just we just had our two year but we didn't like our first our first year yeah 142 Mm. our first year we said oh happy one year anniversary and then second year yeah i kind of forgot about it (laughs) like i didn't realize it was two years so like typical man and then you realize it's like oh gosh (laughs) yeah but also like 
where did 2021 go? Like 2020 know, just man. crept by because every day yeah. was different. 2021 fucking flew by. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's two years later and yeah. at least for America. Yeah. We're just still like, woo. Yeah, but you never know who you could help out with your podcast because you can reach totally. so many different people. Yeah. There's That's people what I love that listen about to it. us that I've never been to, you know, countries and stuff like that. So Belgium. So cool. That's so cool. Yeah. That's what I love about the internet. Like I always said, you know, with this pandemic, it's one thing to be fighting off a virus, but if the power were to go out, like mm-hmm. I was saying in class today, that then there's a fucking shit show. Like Memphis, some people dealt with it for a week plus. Some yeah. people are still dealing see, with I've it. I've kind of like tried I've I've steered away from the internet and tried to like avoid it so much because there's so much that I hate about it. And like just with technology in general and phones and computers, but it's like you gotta kind of embrace it. I'm yeah, like starting you know, to realize, you know. I know there's just, but for every bad thing out there, I think there's like five times the good mm-hmm. things. And you can curate your Instagram to unfollow people that trigger yeah. you or upset sure. you. Like I have people whose stories I straight up say block mm-hmm. their stories because I don't need I don't to see, see that it. person come I up. I don't want to see for whatever it. reasons, whether it's a personal or a professional reason. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he said, if you want to look for negativity online, you can definitely find it. You can find, find it right yeah. away. Yeah. yeah. So. Mm. Well, we appreciate you guys doing the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was a blast. Thank you for having us. Go ahead. something you guys say. Let's go ahead with your <laughs> outro. We love you a lot. Bye. <laughs>